Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast here for episode number 113 here on Monday, January the 14th, 2019. We are here to rump you through the world of retro wrestling. I am Joe Marana alongside Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy diddy. So how you doing there, Michael? You ready to rump through the world of retro wrestling yet is, again? Is that what we do? We romp here? It's a romp usually, right? Do we wear rompers while we romp? <laughs> we can wear rompers and folks. Aren't those for ladies though? You fans at home can wear rompers and for babies. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to romp on over to Twitter, if you haven't followed us yet and you do have a Twitter account, you can do that at OVP Podcast on Twitter. You can also email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. But when the best place to interact with us and romp with us in your rompers is over on Facebook. Yeah, facebook.com slash rompers is the website where OVP exists. I don't know why we picked that URL. Weird but, URL. It was hard yeah, times back yeah, then. It was hard times. We, we were always really thinking about rompers. Oh, always. But on Facebook, you could really think about rompers by posting about it. Yes, you can. Um, you go to facebook.com slash rompers. You type in the search bar, our vantage point, death retro wrestling podcast. Click on the uh, group, hit join, and the operators are standing by. You're in. You can make all your favorite wrestling romper posts, and uh, it's going to be a good time. Yep. Giffies, jiffies, the whole thing. That's right, and we try to welcome everybody, rompers notwithstanding. Whether you're a fan of all the wrestling, whether you just like WWF, maybe you just like WCW, maybe you've been watching for 40 years, maybe you just started watching again. Who knows? What, whoever you might be, you are welcome there. We are the Ellis Island of rompers and yeah. of retro wrestling. You groups, know, I, I just was thinking that this might open up a Mount Rushmore Death Valley of rompers. Well, if we talk too much. About maybe rompers. that could. Yeah, maybe we should stay away from yeah. the romping. But be sure to check out if you have a Facebook. Go check out our Facebook group. It is unlike any Facebook group that you've ever been a part of. Unlike any retro wrestling discussion group that you've ever been a part of. So check that out. And later on in the show, there will be some information about our Patreon. We do have one if you want to donate. It is patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And we'll also shout out some of our friends of the show later. But here for season 12, Quinn, as you well know, and you fans at home, mm-hmm. we have been talking about downfalls of certain things in wrestling. Yeah, the downfalls, the uh, falling down the stairs Falling of down the stairs, possibly the, the Fred Ottmans of wrestling. Yeah, when are we getting to that? The downfall <laughs> of Fred Ottman, <laughs> when he actually that. fell. He actually fell down. Oh, oh God. Oh, and last week, we talked about the downfall of the squashes and jobber matches. The week before was Saturday night's main event. And this time, Quinn, this was your pick, actually. I felt we should go to a wrestler, you know? Quinn wanted to do a wrestler. So we are actually going to talk about the downfall, and mainly the character, not the man, okay, of the ultimate warrior, Jim Helwig. Yeah, Mr. Helwig. The ultimate warrior, obviously, is probably one of the most notable 
characters in all of WWF history. Maybe notorious. Too. Notorious is a good way to put it. Yeah. This is not going to be, folks, the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior regurgitated to you. Well, it, it might be if we... I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll see that, where this goes. That but. WWE's Hatchet Job DVD from 2005 yeah, WF, yeah. that they pulled from the network and you can't find it. I wonder if that sells for like $100 or something because I've already ripped it. I don't really need it. I, I can make a coin off of that. You can make coin. Yeah. They're basically trying to uh, to whitewash that they ever did that horrible hatchet job on them. Now, whatever your opinions of Jim Helwig, Warrior, whatever you want to call him, personal opinions notwithstanding, he definitely stood out as a wrestler in the late 80s and into the 90s, had a very promising career, which all started, Quinn, when he was a tag team with none other than Sting in the yeah, mid-80s. the Stinger. The um, Stinger they, they were a big tag team, not really. They were, what were they, in UWF? Yeah, well, they were in Continental in Memphis Continental. as Power Team USA. They Power were, Team. Yeah, I know, weird name. So stupid. They went to Bill Watts UWF, and they were known as the Blade Runners, which was essentially another long line of uh, Road Warrior clones. That's what seems like the logical choice right. to pick for Jim Helwig when he comes. He looks like that. And it's, Sting was a lot bigger than he would later become in the 90s yeah, as well. Yeah, his hair was then. a little more puffier, <laughs> as we'll see later today. A lot of puff going yeah. on there. So uh, these guys were the uh, the Blade Runners, and then Jim Helwig went down to world class as the Dingo Warrior. The Dingo Warrior! I don't even know what that means. Apparently <laughs> Vince McMahon didn't either, because yeah. when Helwig tried out in WWF in the summer of 1987. He came in as the Dingo Warrior. From Queens, New York, weighing 275 pounds, the Dingo Warrior! You're now looking at Dingo Warrior who's making his way to the ring. Vince was like, what the hell is that? And they quickly changed it to a much better freaking name. Is Jim Helwig at all the like Ultimate Australian Warrior. or something? Like, I don't really <laughs> no, get what, don't what that know. was. Well, a dingo, if you're not familiar, is obviously a, a wild feral dog that you can find down in the Southern Hemisphere. I didn't such know that. I Australia. thought it was its own animal. It's, I, a, it's a dog. It's yeah. essentially odd type of dog. The dingo ate your baby. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. <laughs> anyway, so Jim Helwig, the Ultimate Warrior now, Debuts in the WWF in 1987. Ultimate Warrior making his debut here on Wrestling Challenge. He really doesn't gain any notoriety until early 88. And I, as embarrassing as this sounds, his first high-profile feud was really with Hercules. Well, I, you got to start wait, somewhere. You know, two people punching isn't too bad, I guess. <laughs> they fought over the chain. Remember that? They're yeah. like mad. You know, this whole period when the warrior first came in, I feel like it's all just like them testing out what they can do with him. Like it, none of it feels permanent. Even the Hercules feel, uh, feud right, feels right. like, you know, it's just like this is something we're going to try and like, let's see how it works or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, it's not. I don't think it's like reflective of anything they had plans no, for no. or anything like that. It's it's just it's just like a test run. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And that match that he had, he got a singles pay per view match at WrestleMania four, mm-hmm. one of the few non tournament matches. And then in eighty eight, after WrestleMania four, between WrestleMania and SummerSlam, is where he really started to become the warrior we know. And I think Quinn, and you tell me what you think. What really made him stand out at the time is even if you look around the roster. There's a lot of big muscle guys, but no one had the energy and like the entrance that the Ultimate Warrior did. You think that was one of the reasons? Personally, I thought his physique actually did stand out amongst them. He was more like cut or something like he looked a little different. I can't really pinpoint exactly why, but I can tell. 
You know what I mean? There's just something different, There's right? There's just something different Face about it. Face paint him. helped. I remember my parents saw it, and like I just remember somebody offhand making a comment, even when I was a kid, when I was watching all tapes of wrestling, like saying, like, oh, man, that guy's really like put together. Like sure. For some reason, people, there was some kind of distinction between it. Him and like I don't know Dino Bravo yeah, right. or something. Dino like, Bravo or Hogan, even. yeah, yeah, because Hogan was big but didn't have that physique the Warrior did. Right. So Warrior, as we all know, is the replacement, the surprise replacement for Brutus Beefcake, who had been chasing Honky for the better part of 1988 at right. SummerSlam, wins the IC title in a favorite moment of many people. You know, a classic wow. moment. Now, this is one of those moments that I think a lot of people try to act like it was all about the Ultimate Warrior. But honestly, I feel people hated the Honky Tonk Man so much that anybody could have gone in there and beat the shit out of him. I won agree. And would have been over. I agree. I uh, think that was just one of those situations. It's kind of like um, how for years everyone was like, man, that Undertaker win has to go to somebody that can really use it kind of thing. Right. And I think they did kind of Brock that really That launched. built Brock yeah. for 14. Right. Exactly. And it, this was kind of the same situation is they used that heat that the Honky Tonk Man had built up for, I don't know, the longest over a year ever, yeah. yeah over a year a year and a half or something almost yeah like and they used that and that really propelled the ultimate warrior into the spotlight absolutely and that spotlight you know he was he was basically their second in command after hogan at that point as right. intercontinental well, champion as the intercontinental champion should be i mean he is the number one contender that's right according to jack tubby which they would parlay later yeah. unquestionably this is the greatest main event ever signed in world wrestling federation history so he had a really great feud with Rick Rude in 89. He was really on the rise and a really popular character at now, the time. I want to say this about the Rick Rude feud. I like I, it. I feel this is the true first, like, Ultimate Warrior feud. And they use, Absolutely. They use the physique thing, which I thought was interesting, because Rick Rude is another one where he's muscular and stuff, but he's not the biggest, but his... He's got that same kind of thing, the Ultimate that Warrior. chiseled look, Like right? that chiseled, like he looks really good. And sure. he looks a step above, a cut above, if you will, mm -hmm. of the rest of the roster right. as far as physique. So it was like, let's have these two guys that have like the best physiques. They're, one's a little bit bigger, but I mean, they're both like, they both look good. Let's have them fight. Yeah, it's only natural if they right. would fight yeah. over that. Yeah. And they had a great feud. I mean, obviously, Warrior loses to Ruta WrestleMania 5. And then the great rematch at SummerSlam 89 where Warrior wins it back. Some great stuff. Yeah. Showed that he could wrestle the only bad stuff out of it i think was that they tried to involve bobby the brain physically and i yeah, always I felt like that. that was a mistake because as much as we are supposed to hate bobby the brain Heenan, it kind of sucked to album. see bobby get beat up like that and bobby hated working with him i didn't like working with the warrior because he had no respect for wrestlers he was just a a muscle-bound mater d at some titty bar <laughs> probably i don't know i mean he has no wrestling ability the warrior was still green i hate to like break it to people but he was not good yeah like he had to be taken along for a good match with right. select workers the thing is again i think his look let them they kind of were like we'll let this go right because like, yeah. we think we can make a ton of money off this guy if we just kind of like nurture him and like sure. get him to a point where like he can really wrestle, you know? Right, and Rick Rude brought out the best of the Warrior to that point. And I think this all builds up, if we want to fast forward a little to bit. To 90, but, right? Yeah, I think this all builds up to 90, right? And this is, where, this is where the peak is hit and the downfall begins, right? Absolutely. WrestleMania six, of course, champion versus champion. Right. I, it can't get any bigger than that. Right. A classic main event at WrestleMania six. Hulk Hogan defends the world title and also competes for Warriors Intercontinental title. Skydome. 
60,000 plus, as Gorilla might say. Both belts on the line provision in that match was very was a very big, big deal, deal to me. And not only that, Quinn, Warrior had his best hair right around that time. Well, yeah. His hair is His awesome. hair never got it. I, I think literally... That's peak hair, too. Everything about the Warrior peaked. Even his, like, makeup was yeah, perfect. everything. Like, tights. Every, like, he, he looked good. Like, That's the action figure version with the good hair, yeah, you know? Like, I, it doesn't get any better than that Warrior. It, the only thing that was off was, like, he's talking about, like, airplanes or something. His promos, like, batshit is always yeah. even worse in 90. Kick the cockpit door down. Take the two pilots that have already made the sacrifice so that you can face this challenge. Dispose of them, Hulk Hogan. Assume the controls, Hulk Hogan. Shove that control into a nosedive, Hulk Hogan. While he already had crazy promos, I feel like he stepped it up when the Hulkster came along. Like, he was like, I gotta make mine crazier. Yeah, because like, Hogan, I mean, a crazy promo. Uh, Hogan Hogan's give you always one. talking about backstroking and oh, humming God, and yeah. bunging. Earth and, is always like, falling apart. Yeah, he's gotta save Donald Trump, all this. <laughs> I Like, Warrior's just like, well, I'll take your... Uh, your imagery and raise yeah. you th- like planes and buildings imagery and, and yeah and yeah. warrior even adds to that like i'm not even from earth how about yeah, that yeah. hogan fuck you i yeah. don't even live on this planet do you <laughs> yes do you yeah. so anyway as we all know warrior wins becomes the world champion the moment is all about hogan leaving on the yeah. cart like sadly i want to discuss this because i think all of this is part of the downfall Warriors win, right? i think even the way they handled it in retrospect i think ahead, a lot Quinn. of people like to say you know, Hogan handing him the title and it being all respectful. I Which feel it like it was, but Yeah, I feel like looking back now, I feel like that didn't really give the right attitude or push to the, you know, the warrior because it felt like, well, Hogan's stepping away. He's not really going and you know he just lost one match i don't know it kind of leaves something in my brain when i see it i can understand that i think warriors title reign left a lot to be desired the way they handled it throughout 1990 i want to say one thing also about his title reign i think a lot of people get on him for this poor title reign it's not good it's not good but here's the thing it's nothing that hulk hogan wasn't doing yeah but hogan just did it better quinn not even just better i just think hulk hogan is hulk hogan Hulk Hogan! Yes, he is. And I think the warrior doing a Hulk Hogan title reign, it just doesn't work because he's the ultimate warrior. It's a different character. Yeah, exactly. And that's what they did wrong, is they literally had him be a one-to-one clone of Hulk Hogan. Like, he's hanging out with kids. Right, yeah. He likes America. Right. It's like, this is weird, like, for a guy from space or whatever. (laughs) A guy that was just talking about planes blowing up and stuff like that right before he won the title. Yeah, like, it was just weird. He also cut his hair and it looked bad. Yeah, and he he hung out with that guy in the chicken suit, the Genesis and all that. Phil Collins. I got it! Phil Collins versus the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. And then he has the really short hair and Savage, you know, starts fucking with him. So when he loses it, we get a one last good feud from this initial run, which is Savage Warrior in 91. Do you think they took too long in Warrior's title run to get on with the Savage feud? Like in retrospect, should they have fought for the title at Survivor Series or something? SummerSlam. I feel like the Warrior was in a waiting period. Right. at, At after SummerSlam. I think that's part of the downfall, Quinn, is they really didn't book him. It's not even all his fault. Like, right. Talent notwithstanding, because he isn't Hulk Hogan. He's ha- not even half the worker Hogan is. Right. Or promo. But uh, they booked Hogan as the main guy still 
Right, he's beating the shit out of Earthquake, Earthquake and right. stuff. Yeah, that was the biggest problem. But in '91, obviously, a great send off because Warrior did jack shit after WrestleMania Seven before leaving. Was that Savage Warrior uh, match? Obviously, the retirement match. Excellent feud. Yeah, I would say that's literally the final moment for the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, because everything after that, he's teaming with Hogan now, and he's like Hogan's beefcake. He's basically Hogan's new beefcake. Well, actually, I always felt they were aiming more for like a Mega Powers kind of thing. Maybe but still, it wasn't as like good. he wasn't supposed to be beef lady beefcake you know? <laughs> Lady beefcake, like, i know you know what i mean and then he holds up vince for money at SummerSlam 91 which okay i have things to say about more this. downfall yeah, this more is downfall. downfall while yes he's an asshole we really don't know what the details of that are other than vince saying like he held me up for money like was there some kind of, i don't want to prejudge and say like Maybe the warrior was within his rights. Maybe there was some money withheld from him or something. Well, he wrote a whole page to Vince McMahon before SummerSlam. I think the documents are available online. Yeah. All these demands he wanted, Hogan-type money, Hogan money with merchandising, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line, he's not Hogan. But nevertheless, right. Vince gave in, but didn't really. Then fired him right after SummerSlam. Then there was this back and forth. Warriors fired in October of 91. Okay. But he hadn't been on screen since SummerSlam. Right. That's the end of the classic run. Right. Now Hogan's leaving in March of 92. There's only one other guy they could pass it to and they'd already, you know, Macho Man, they diminished him already. Yeah, so he was kind of holding the belt but the plan was always let's get it back on the Warrior. Right. So he comes back WrestleMania 8 surprise ending. Everything is bad from here. <laughs> Warriors 92, which lasts from April until uh, November of 92, yeah. sucks. Well, first of all, he transforms into another person somehow, according <laughs> to fans. Yeah, because the original one died, right? Yeah. Harry Von Eric replaced him. Yeah, I don't know exactly what happened, but either way, now he has like a shirt on and Jill Taylor hair. Jill Taylor hair. <laughs> and he just looks weird and he and he's more kid friendly than he was even before. Yeah, like, I, I, and it, no more planes. No more planes. Buildings. Just toy trains. Yeah, just talking about his war. <laughs> Warriors and this and that. And it just didn't work. He fused with Papa Shango. I guess they figured like if the Warriors magic fought Papa Shango's magic that the magic of good would win. Or oh, something. that's probably what it and is, then right? something with Jake the Snake. Like, it, it's <laughs> no, awful. that was in 91. Okay, yeah. yeah, that was in 91. Sorry. Uh, it feels all connected. I know. Yeah. And then he fused with Savage one last time. Not bad. I know not as good as their 91 thing, but not bad. I hate that match. I though. know, Quinn. <laughs> if you want to find out why, you can check yeah, the archives the whole there. Rick Flair. Like yeah, it. all of that shit. But then he becomes Savage's new partner and now they're the ultimate maniacs. Yeah, so Same this, shit again. So, this is weird. Let's take the two guys who were Hogan's bitches in the tag team and then like let's put them together and then it's like the ultimate bitches or something. Like like should have been managed by Brutus Bitchcake. Yeah. You know? Seriously. Like that would have been a mega team right there. <laughs> Brutus Beefcake managing Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage. It's like come on. But then Warrior of course either fails a drug test or doesn't want to take a drug test or Vince is mad at them or he's mad at Vince. Uh, you know honestly that just feels like an excuse. I know right. And then he goes into basically semi-retirement so the downfall is like continuing now because now this guy who was once the heir apparent to hulk hogan like right. two years earlier now is, he's getting fired and stuff yeah and, all the time yeah a couple of matches here and there in vegas and europe stuff like that i don't even know anything no one about cares yeah, right yeah comes back wrestlemania 12 in 1996 right so now it's been a while since yep. he's, he's like four years right much hyped Pe people have been to high school and finished it <laughs> right. yeah, like but they remember the warrior right, right and yeah. a lot of people were excited for the warrior they were and the king sold it on commentary like saying he got fat and he's so 400 they, pounds i you like know. that only because they played into the idea yeah. that he's a different person thing right but they never explicitly said it and he comes back at wrestlemania 12 against triple h same warrior as ever. I was ever. so mad at this. At the one minute, 12 Be second match. Because 
as somebody that had waited, who, you know, this was my first seeing the warrior like live real. in person. Yeah, like, like, live. I had just seen him on tapes at sure. that point. Same here. Same so here. So seeing him wrestle for real, I was so upset because I thought, oh, it's WrestleMania, the ultimate warrior. He's going to have like this big match with Alt- Triple H and it's going to be great or whatever. And it was just two seconds long and I just thought it was dumb. It just disappointed me. And then I never really got to see him much after that's that. The, and it's the, that's why it was so annoying. Here's why it was so deflating. Whether you like the squash or not of Triple H, you know, I can get not liking it. I, I didn't care because I, I didn't like Triple H. I can also get people liking it because they're like, oh, it harkens back to beating up Honky yeah. Tonk Man or whatever. I'm but like, still. fuck Triple H anyway yeah. at that time. Yeah, he sucked. Right. But here's the problem. You barely saw Warrior, and when you did, it was in goofy, stupid shit, like feuding with King? Yeah, wearing a hat. The hat. <laughs> the baseball cap. Why did he for- wear that? Never forget. That's one of the things in the Hatchet Job DVD. They, yeah. like, they harp on this hat for like five minutes straight. Like It's, it's re- a really ridiculous segment, but it is... It does play into the fact, like, what the fuck? Like, there's Warrior uh, comic books. Warrior University. And he what says, the hell is Warrior University? What do you his get to training look? camp? You do go you, to another planet. I was going to say, like, it's probably not, I don't know. Like, just Warrior University yeah. in general. But he's like this edgy warrior. And he says ass now. Yeah. You know, oh, his promo. he says Ooh. ass. And he wears a hat. And he wears a hat. The truth be told, nobody gives a damn about the match that will take place between me and you. Yeah, no shit. He was going to team up with Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson uh, yeah. to face Camp Cornette. I hate that name, yeah, by the way. Camp Cornette. But, uh, as always, Vince is mad at them. He's mad at Vince. There's issues. He so leaves. So he doesn't, like, show up a couple times. Correct. So this is the this is where he gets really spiraling into crap. Yeah. And his dad dies. Vince says that doesn't matter because he never knew his dad. I don't want to get into all that. Bottom line is, he leaves in July of 96, only three months and change after his big return. Right. Nothing. They did fucking nothing with him. Yeah. They wasted it. Now he's gone again two more years. Yep. We don't see him until freaking WCW because God knows Eric Bischoff has to get him. Now, this was also by Hulk Hogan's request so he could beat him, right? Like this whole bullshit. That's what I've understood. Because he also wanted like Yokozuna and all these people. Like, yeah. like <laughs> yeah, That's a rumor. I've yeah, heard that. Yeah. Horrible, horrible return for the Warrior right. in 98 Now WCW. he's extremely magical. Very magical. He's invisible, but only to Hogan <laughs> yeah, can like, see him. He's haunting him or something. He haunts him. And Hogan, of course, beats him after setting my mustache on fire, even though yeah. that didn't happen. Remember, <laughs> he's like, I burned off my mustache. This was hideous. Halloween and this Havoc. to me is the real, like, this the is the final. This is the final nail in the coffin. Like, nobody ever wants Warrior no. again. Until, obviously, when they induct him in the Hall of Fame. Because they can and, make money off of him, you know. He, uh, unfortunately, he dies. Two as days soon as after, he yeah. I always thought that, on top of all that the bullshit sad. that the Ultimate Warrior went through, right. like, that sucks. Like, I felt like we had a couple of years in store of, like, you know, uh, Ultimate Warrior maybe shaking hands with Hulk Hogan sure. or something. Because they could do, like, uh, you know, little things with the legends every little now nostalgia and then. Yeah, little right? nostalgia. Nothing tour. offensive. Nothing offensive. You know, kind of like what they did with Sting, where he kind of, like, pointed and, like, yeah. you know, lost. And, and it was the, funny. Yeah. He had the horrible hair. Yeah. I, I still don't get why he lost. I don't but know. They, was funny. he could have wrestled. He, he wrestled one fucking match against <laughs> Triple H, and who's already retired, and he great. loses. I'm so, so happy stupid. about that. What do you think? Personal problems notwithstanding, do you think that Warrior would have ever been able to, let's say he didn't leave in 91, would he have ever been able to even be on the level of a Hogan, or is he, he did just didn't have it? I'm not going to say he would have ever been on the level of a Hogan. However, I didn't think he was, like, very old when he started, like, in 91, when they oh, were, like, like, 32. I felt like he probably would have lasted into, like, at least the mid to late 90s as like in one straight run you mean what i wish that happened to him and i think honestly this would have been like an aim for him right 
is kind of like how they evolved the Undertaker character. Like okay. that the Ultimate Warrior character would be treated in the same way. With the same it, reverence. You know, he came also. in like two years before the Undertaker. Right. So it's kind of like they're the same trajectory, right? right. Like they should have like slowly but surely made the warrior a little more edgy and less like fantastical or sure. whatever yes, you know I, I like, understand. and like they could have like that could have been a thing going forward but the problem is is the person jim hellwig is a crazy person absolutely like, was, so yeah. like had that not been it i really think he would have been at the same he would have been considered like a phenom like the undertaker sure. and like that could have always been a recurring feud like throughout the years like you know they they run into each other every okay. four or five years fight each other and go their separate ways again and maybe could make i feel like that would have been the most natural like two guys that would always fight each other every couple years like, i could see that you know something like that do you think renegade notwithstanding he doesn't count has there been anyone even remotely close to the ultimate warrior not at all right like, he does hold that weird like he's one of the most unique style characters i've ever, ever seen right like yeah. I, he's just on a different level like a macho man yeah Very he's just different. strange like i right I, but i also there's something about him that they just never did again that i thought was cool about him and he had this mix of really hyper and like he seemed like a superhero right but he also seemed like an athlete at the same time yeah, sure. and like especially like when he won both titles he looked like a professional boxer winning the championship kind of thing and like there's always something about that that looked cool to me and i love that mix that he had going on right. at that point like he just he looked interesting he did Final question, Quinn. Normally, we would talk about bringing it back. Obviously, Jim Hellwig is no longer with us. Do you think an Ultimate Warrior character could ever work again, or is that that's one and done? No, because it was just a special time when he came in. And like I said, I think his character would have had to evolve anyway in the 90s. Like, Which Semi did anyway in 96. A little bit. He but, was more realistic. Right. And I, I think that, was, that would have ultimately been the plan for him had he not leaving and <laughs> all the like, time none of that would have happened also if they didn't strap the rocket to his back in 90 to be fair to jim hellwig once you say you're better than hogan now you're the hogan replacement right which they did how as a businessman and a wrestler professional wrestling is always about making money right allegedly how if you're in his shoes can you ever not demand like i should make as much as hulk hogan which he I, did. Like, yeah like i think it's a little ridiculous to say he wasn't within his rights fair. to be demanding that like, Fine, I, I get where you're coming from yeah. there. Well, that is the Ultimate Warrior, folks. You know, a promising start. Those those couple of years in the late 80s, early 90s, one of the most exciting, new, different characters, certainly. Let us know your thoughts and memories on the Ultimate Warrior, if you think there could ever be a character like him ever again. Let us know what you think. You can do that on Twitter, at OVP Podcast. Email us or join the group. But when we come back, two more names enter the fray for the Royal Rankings. It is week number three, and that's coming up right after this. wrestling fans howdy doody we're here to tell you about our patreon yes we do have one it's at patreon.com slash obp podcast and quinn how many tiers do we have three delicious tiers we have three delicious tiers we're going to tell you about them real quick here for one dollar you get to watch the raw video of quinn and i making every single monday show that means quinn that they get to see what shirts we're wearing the shirts the most important part of the one dollar tier now for two dollars not only do you get the shirts but every other friday it's mount rushmore and death valley extra where quinn and i put the four best of something and for worst of something onto Mount Rushmore and Death Valley and Quinn it could be hats yeah it could be about doink 
And then for $3 in between on the alternating Fridays, we explore 1982 WWF. Quinn, it's got Jimmy Snooker, it's got Bob Orton, it's got Chief J Strongbow. And that's about it. And that is about it. So that is on the $3 tier. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Quinn, I don't think they will shed any tears over our prices. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. So, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? You boys a bit bored? Snap into it! Snap into a Slim Jim! Tear to the spice! Beefy juicy taste! Hey, nice! Antique! Snap into it! Need a little excitement? Snap into a Slim Jim! And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. We thank you for being with us here for episode number 113, Monday, January the 14th, 2019. Quinn, as we mentioned, two more guys joined the mix today. Yeah, the old mix. The old mix. Commentators here. Yep. Yeah. If you're newer to the show, folks, what the Royal Rankings is, is 20 finalists, we can call them, have made it. Out of all the possibilities, all the possible announcers, color men and play-by-play, 20 have made the cut. Each week between now and the season finale, Quinn and I pull two random names. You can see those drawings on the raw video. And we rank those two. We throw them into the mix. We see where they fall. And a quick update now on the current rankings. We have four guys on there. Now, these are definitive, Jeff. Oh, this these is are, scientific. These are the scientific. We are going to tell you who the best commentator of all time is as of right now as of right now number one it is joey styles yeah congratulations I, good job joey i mean that is a high honor to be the ovp best announcer of all time it really is uh number two no slouch himself jerry the king lawler respectable number two king hang on <laughs> he hung on for a week yeah he had like one a, nice one, one week run yeah. with the crown <laughs> number three iron mike today very iron like <laughs> what why hi tony now i like hate him more you like <laughs> He like, stinks. I, I, he's okay. It's just like I know he is. That's it's a just problem. after that worldwide last week. <laughs> yeah, he was, was so bad. bad. That was bad. And number four, a guy that you can't hate, Bob Cottle. Kindly, yeah, grandfatherly. Very kindly, very number four. Very number four. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that is the current top four. Two more come in, and as always, let us know your royal rankings at the end of the episode. But Quinn, let's go to the Fink. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now. Sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Rhodes touched Sherry first. His name's Fred Catal. Silly name for a Japanese wrestler, Fred. So we've got a great matchup here. His eyes are closed. He can't open them. It's the Royal Rankings of Announcers, week number three. We have run down the current rankings. Uh, just a refresher for you. This includes both play-by-play and color man. I want to make that very clear. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's an overall look, a scientific look, if you will, Quinn, at their skill set, their legacy, their influence 
No personal bias here yeah. to the best of our ability. Who is the best at the great art of announcing? That's right. It is an art. And yeah. we're not talking about Donovan. <laughs> it is time. Believe it or not, we're here. It's yeah. time to find out who drew number five. Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Luigi. What's his name? <laughs> Mauro, Mauro Ranallo. Ranallo. Now, he made it, folks. Now, you voted this. Remember, you fans voted this. So if you see a name on here that you don't like, it's not our fault. We didn't pick any yeah. of these. And if you don't see a name on here when it's all said and done that you do like, once again, not our fault. Now, Mauro Ranallo, Quinn. Very new. Very like, new. The most newest, I think, on this list, possibly. I think so. Uh, a very adequate number of votes. He, he wasn't, I don't think he was the bottom. He might have been close to People it, but he like did make him. it. People like him a lot. Now, Mauro is not strictly and wasn't always strictly a wrestling announcer. No, didn't he do the uh, ultimate fighting or boxing Pride, or something? Right, he did yeah, Elite yeah. XC, Strike Force, boxing, New Japan pro wrestling. When did he do New Japan? He did New Japan at some point. Oh, that was for the Access show. That's I'm right, sorry. for yeah, Access, yeah. yep. That wasn't the actual, like, no, 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 sorry. New Japan World. No, no, not New Japan World. Tooth and nail in that center of the ring, Tokyo Dome. Now, Mauro Ranallo, you can currently find as the NXT commentator before that. Mm-hmm. His WWF debut, he was the SmackDown announcer when King went over there with him, and they were good. Yeah, remember King? Yeah, remember King? Now, that was the King being heel thing that we mentioned. briefly. Now, they brought in Morrow, and I don't know, they went for a more traditional thing, and they had King be... And it was just two of them. Yeah, it was just two of them, and it was good. And and I think that's the reason people liked Morrow. Because he started off so good, right? right? Well, because he started off good, and he started off in, like, the good combination thing where they didn't fuck it all up. They didn't have Byron there dragging the whole thing fucking yes, thing like, down. What does this mean? Yeah. Or, like, and, that, and that King didn't have to ask those questions either. <laughs> right. like, no, no. It was great. So you talked about hair pulling. What about that there, Moro? Well, tag was made and in comes what Chris Jericho refers to as Tootie, Xavier Woods. Please, don't start that. Look, job, Jericho, Jericho is the cause of the problems here to begin with. He also worked, I want to mention here, which I just found this out, for the relaunch of Stampede in 99-2000, which was like Bruce and Keith. Who? Was Teddy Hart involved in that or anything? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And Dallas and Beans. No, I don't know. <laughs> well, but, I mean, uh... <laughs> never forget Dallas and Beans and Skyler and all them. You know, my kids have weird names, but, you know, they could also have great matches if they wanted to become wrestlers. Yeah. So Mauro Ronaldo, the announcer, let's talk about him as an announcer. Yep. Good voice. Oh, really good really voice. Really good voice. And actually, uh, to this day, he really, to me, adds a lot to uh, those takeover events. I think so. I mean, I, yeah. I'll, I have a little to say when it comes ranking time, perhaps, about I think he makes it bombast. exciting. I think his bombast is what is part of his appeal, though. It is part of his appeal, it's but I think it's a little old school. You know, there's some Vince McMahon esque, and I'm not saying Vince is influencing him, energy to it yeah. that we haven't had from Michael Cole. Right. He's been the voice of everything for like 10 years he now. seems like he cares a lot. And you know what I like about Morrow, too, is that he does talk about, you know, where th- these guys' background, but not in a like they went to like Big Ten college or some shit like that. He talks about like where they wrestled beforehand, which is great. Yeah. And he appeals to a fan that's around our age, right. give or take. Yeah. That knows, knows a little bit. The internet a little bit. A little bit, but he doesn't. It's not done in a condescending way. Right. It's it's not done in the pandering way. It's done in a way to really highlight that the wrestler you're watching um, knows his shit. He's not like some schmuck, right. basically. Some slouch. Right? Yeah. Schmuck. Yiddish. Yeah. It's a Yiddish. Yeah. Well, Yid, well, we're very good at Yid. 
<laughs> we do a lot of yet. Morrow's got a great professional sounding voice. I mean, again, he's announced real sports, not to take anything away from the athletes of the world wrestling entertainment, but yeah. he's announced like actual fights. Anderson, her face on the left right, and the round and pound. Anderson at the age of 40 has added the strike force light heavyweight championship. Is that supposed to make him better or something? You think? No, but like, I think when you when you are an announcer for boxing or UFC, if you're good at it or mm-hmm. any sport, you develop a very good style of announcing. Where it's Michael Cole, and I'm not hating on Cole. Cole was a journalist, like a, a TV journalist. Yeah. He was never an announcer, so it took him a long time to find his voice. I know he's been with the World Wrestling Entertainment for many years now, Michael Cole. But he's not a natural commentator. Right. It feels like a guy, it feels like Sean Mooney if they kept him for 20 years. Whereas well like said. Morrow is like, he's a sports style announcer guy. And that's damn like, good at it. Yeah, that feels like, no, it's like he's always been doing this kind of thing. Correct. And uh, Morrow Ronaldo for our uh, viewers. As from the UWA, he's a representative of the UWA who has been uh, studying the situation at All-Star Wrestling now for the last couple of months, preparing a very major report for the uh, Universal Wrestling Alliance, and uh, it shall be interesting to see what that report is. It will also be interesting to see if we can get some action from that report more. I certainly hope so, Ed, because I'm sure the fans and the viewers are sick and tired of seeing the actions taken by Diamond Timothy Flowers, John Sayers, and so on. One of the things that I, that really appeals to me about Morrow, you mentioned his bombast, which I like. He adds flavor. I'll mm-hmm. give him that. A little Italian flavor there. Uh, but he also does know what the hell he's talking about. Right. The, he's one of the first guys in many years to call a lateral press, which I always <laughs> thought was like the best thing ever. Oh, God. I remember when he debuted, Quinn, you and I watched a handful of SmackDown matches with him and King. Just to like check him out. I remember yep. we weren't even like really caring. We just were like, what's Morrow like? And, and we like, watched it. This guy's fucking good. Yeah. Side press, you know, like yeah. beautiful drop kick. As he goes for the side press, Woods kicks out. He's telling the fan at home what's going on in the ring without clogging it up with too much detail. Yeah. You know, and calling every single breath that the wrestler takes. It's just enough. There's a few, like, key terms. Again, they're all callbacks to, like, what I remember wrestling announcers calling. And I think that's the biggest uh, compliment that we could possibly give Mauro Ranallo, is that he, in his own way, is a throwback to an era where there's a little flavor and a little expertise, and you didn't feel like... mix. Yeah, and you didn't feel like, since he's never done Raw, thankfully for him, you're being hit over the head with the sledgehammer uh, about what's going on, you know? Now, do you think... There's like some bad things about Morrow. Like, what is what are the things that bother you? Because you tell me lately that there's you you seem to have problems with him. I don't know that I particularly as much as I appreciate his ability. Mm-hmm. I really do. And for me to say that about something modern in wrestling, you know, I really mean it. Right. You know, I don't like the Morrow cam and seeing him like shaking around and jumping around for every single spot no, in every match. I don't think them showing him. That's something when it's I watch much. when I watch NXT, I haven't seen in quite a while. At least in the takeover. Anytime I've I watch, seen it, yeah. I hate it. Like yeah. if I was you, like one time ever, maybe you should check out a takeover. One just time to, ever. I've you know, seen takeovers. Yeah, just you know, just to check it out to see what's up. They don't really like focus on him anymore. I mean, he still has his bombast. Right, which is part of the problem. And you know what the thing also is that I don't want to like give him too much like flack for is because Usually when I see him is on a takeover, which is probably when he's at his like maximum excitement, like, which he should be. Absolutely. Wow! A Vader bomb with Cole on his back! 
so like I'm kind of judging him from a the day to day television. He's probably like not like that. And I don't think he is sure. from what I've seen. Like he, you know, he he flips out a little bit sometimes, but it's not like it's not like the takeover events where he should be like this is the greatest thing ever. It. Like you know, Quinn, I get it. He's yeah. just venturing into John Sterling territory if he keeps this yeah. up for <laughs> years. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. cute for a while. Like when Sterling started with oh yeah, because everyone liked it, but that was like 25 years ago, and yeah. everyone's like fuck John Sterling hand churned guacamole semi-sweet chocolate morsels asparagus it's same type of thing i don't want to see that happen to him right you get what i mean i don't want him to become a parody where he becomes flanderized you know to the point where that's all he's about that being said at this point in time where do you think he's at like do you think he's in a really good spot is he just right or what is he keep him away from jbl and he'll be fine i'll tell you that jbl works there because because of morrow which we should probably address this before we leave morrow well isn't that why uh Morrow left SmackDown to begin with. Morrow has a legitimate um, depressive, like, I think he has, like, an actual depression issue. Yes, he does. He just Um, has depression, um, which is real. He's a diagnosed, like, it's not, like, made up or anything. Like, he legitimately, like, sees a doctor for it and takes medicine. Um, It's a real condition that people have. And it's kept him away from the product, almost getting fired at one point. And people have had to leave because of it, because they were dicks, which these are yeah. people that should have been fired anyway, yeah. <laughs> like JBL. Yeah, JBL's like, terrible, but, um, really terrible. This has been something that has technically affected his work. Not whereas I'm saying, like, on the air, he's had a breakdown or no, anything. No, 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 no. But, but like, has kept him away. His work. Yeah. Like, he left WWE in 2017. For about six months, I want to say. It wasn't long. Yeah, not even. A couple of months. Yeah. And then he came in, and he was the NXT announcer, which was wonderful. Now, they downgraded him to NXT on purpose, which I felt was an upgrade anyway, because fuck SmackDown. Technically. But, but they did that to lessen his workload to help yep. him out, because yep. they like him. That, and that's saying a lot to me about yep. him, is that they liked him so much that they went out of their way after they gave him three months to kind of rest mm-hmm. and like was like, we want you back. Let's give he's you a lighter good. schedule and like, let's do this. And then, and then he's been fine ever since, really. He's had, I know he said on Twitter, he's had a couple uh-huh. of uh, some bouts with the depression again, but yep. nothing like as serious as whatever JBL triggered. And he seems like a, a genuinely good guy, Mauro right. Yeah. And he actually won Best Announcer in The Observer a couple of years ago. So, I mean, yeah. his talents are recognized, I think, by both the casual fan and the smarks, so to speak. Again, I don't want to see him devolve into a parody of himself, which I can feel coming. Vince himself did it, too, as an announcer. Do you think newness is going to hurt him on the rankings when we get there? Is that something no. we should mention? No, I don't think his newness should hurt him. Okay. I think we just have to consider the the context of who else is there and who we might foresee, you know, coming into the sure. mix because there's obviously there's dead giveaway names that we know are going to make it. Okay. But let's move on to uh, now number six, Quinn. It is sure. now time to find out who drew number six. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. That's right, motherfucker. Motherfucker. Oh. Oh, good. Jim Cornette. Uh, he actually. So, how is he on this? <laughs> like, what? He, he got a lot of votes, Quince. He got a lot of votes, Jimmy Cornette. He I more swear. so talks shit on his podcast. Like, that's like, <laughs> yeah. that's more what I know him from. <laughs> on Twitter, right? Yeah. Just being grumpy and old. Annoying. Yeah, annoying. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this about Jimmy Cornette. Obviously, folks, he's best known in the wrestling world for being uh, a manager that I don't feel is an all-time manager, but he's good. He's like 
a low-rent Bobby the Brain Heenan. And not even low-rent. He's just like maybe like a timeshare Bobby the Brain yeah. Heenan. You know, yeah, he, little, he's okay. good. He, not low-rent. Uh, no, he's really rent, good. But he really is a great talker. Like yeah. an all-time heel manager as far as the promo is concerned. Mm-hmm. I do think he's ridden the coattails of the Midnight Express legacy oh, a little too long. Career. Yeah. That is his whole career is the Midnight Express. But that notwithstanding, he's a great talker, quick-witted, uh, engaging, easy to listen to as a talker. Yeah, okay. Like, But he's here, a commentator. So here's the problem is that I always view him more as a guest commentator. He's a guy they put in there when, you know, somebody's off or like generally, you know, had a heart attack or, you know, because I can't say, no, well, because with announcers, it's one of those situations. It's not like they're going through tables. So it's like, it's usually sometimes the Spanish guys do. Well, Hugo falls off a chair or whatever. <laughs> Comically. But, yeah, that's not going through. My point is, is that it's usually not physical injuries that take out announcers. It's usually Unless like... Mr. JR. Yeah. For that recently? Yeah. <laughs> no, what the fuck was that? Anyway. Yeah, bitch. Yeah, but anywho. Um, yeah, sorry. It's usually like ailments, right? Like, yes, of some kind. Of Gorilla some kind. gets a toe amputated, you know. Yeah, something like King's that. running for mayor, whatever yeah, the case yeah. might be. Ailments Which or, is an or ailment. things in their life, uh, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Jim Cornette is the guy who they put in there. Because like, he's good at it, though. He's kind of like Joan Rivers on Johnny Carson. You know what I mean? What are you, 73? What is that? Say, Joan Rivers on Johnny that's Carson. That's the first thing that came to me. Well, I get the reference, so I guess yeah. I'm just as old it's as you with that. It's a wrestling podcast, okay? <laughs> I am the flattest chested woman, I'd say, in a radius of 20. Oh, no, but that's why you can't tell into this. My, I have no boobies. Well, Jay Leno was the permanent guest host on Mondays. Yeah, but for Joan years. Rivers was a, like before Jay. Since like the fifties or something, right? She wasn't on in the fifties. Whatever, sixties. She's been around forever. She was around the block there. Yeah. Jim Cornette, his main regular stint as a commentator of any kind was uh-huh. in the NWA slash WCW in 89-90. Uh, he teamed with JR, and it was a great team. I've heard a bunch of it. It's okay. Uh, on Saturday night, mainly. Yeah. I don't remember if Cornette did any pay-per-views. But basically, the, the thing I think that we need to say, and we'll get into his WWF career, the reason he got so many votes, Quinn, despite his sporadic nature as a commentator, it's because he's fucking good at it, and people remember him. Due to the fact it took the Braves last week about 17 innings to finally win one, it was almost 7.05 a.m. Eastern before we were on the first time. So for everybody that bared with us to stay and watch the hottest hour in wrestling, we want to thank you. And, of course, also a little sympathy, I think, is in order for anybody to set through 17 innings of that, huh? And, fans, for you that did set through 17 innings of the Atlanta Braves, uh, they did lose to the uh, Cincinnati Reds last week. Uh, we will uh, have a, perhaps an 800 number for some counseling for you a little bit later in the program. I think people more remember him telling the truth about what's going on in his weird, like, rants about, like, WCW sucks, motherfucker. And oh, all what, this in stuff. 97? Yeah. Like, oh, that was weird. Like, his I think work that's, shoots. I really think that's, like, what people think of him. I don't know what people think of him. I personally think he needs to get over a lot of the hate that he has for a lot of things, but oh, I guess it makes insane. him money. So, like, but that's a, that's another that's thing that has nothing thing. to do with his announcing. His no. announcing is great. I I personally really enjoy him as a commentator. Yeah, I, I just I think it's whatever. I don't really think it's, it's fair, any, Quinn. I, I, and I don't think there's enough of it. It's the Eddie Guerrero situation all over again. <laughs> it's like two months or whatever. It's not. It's <sighs> nothing. Like, well, and then yeah, his WWF run. I'm pretty familiar yeah. with uh, occasional fill-in, like you said, yeah. on Raw in 93, 94, 95. Now, remember, Quinn, King wasn't on Raw in like late 94, 95, and Shawn Michaels was Vince's partner for that a while. Weird. That itself was weird, right? Yeah. You know, I like in this matchup as much to the 49er and Dallas Cowboy game. Two high-powered offenses and a whole lot of contact. When Michaels got Sid as his bodyguard in February of 95, mm-hmm. I remember this because I also watched it when it happened. Right. 
he left the commentary table and McMahon's replacement for a few weeks was Jim Cornette. First of all, still bizarre to me that Shawn Michaels was on commentary. For like two months. For, and I don't really... I like it was still, just normal. I still have never... It, it still baffles me to this day why that was He's a thing. He's not good at it either. Like it was just... It felt like I, I don't even know what they were doing. Like what? Like he should like he be wrestling? He, yeah, he, it's not like he was hurt. He no. was still wrestling on the Who Show circuit. He was. He was he's wrestling on TV too. Wrestling I, Adam Bomb and shit like that on I TV. I don't get what the fuck that I was. Don't know. Anywho, the the Jim Cornette thing. So he was his immediate replacement before King came back again. Again, it's just filling Fill in. in. The, oh, like it's that's all it is. It's just filling in, and I don't really see him as a top tier announcer i see him like near the bottom i'll tell you about jim Cornette, the announcer a little bit because you know that i'm aficionado for announcing yeah. and i always like oddities and color commentators and play-by-play guys he was a great announcer because he knew and this is true of Cornette. i'll be very nice to him he knows what the hell to get over that's true he knows the guys in the ring like he's not some slouch you know what i'm saying he yeah. knows how to do it he's as a, a fill-in announcer he's not the duke or anything no yeah. exactly he's not craig de george right not johnny v he, right. He's really good, and I would say if he was the regular heel commentator during any WWF, like during any time where he was there, whether it was 93, 98, yeah. he would have been perfect. He he knows well, what the hell he's okay. doing. Here's the problem. He's with, damn the good The one problem with Jim Cornette that I don't... This is kind of the reason I think they would never bring him back in a full-time basis. Not now, no. Is because... He's an asshole? I don't know if he could hold it in anymore about how much he like hates the younger talent. Like He hates everything that wrestling is oh like, yeah he unless that's never, all an act i don't think he, i don't think I, I personally i think he's just legitimately angry at things and like, oh i think he is and too. i don't i think that's what like held him back from ever being an announcer even back in the day is like i think they i you think i wonder if like the reason they never stuck with him is because maybe maybe there's times when he said things that maybe we didn't even realize that were like too personal. Oh, I don't like, think so, Quinn. I think he was always a true pro on commentary. I'm just saying there there must be a reason they never kept him. I don't know if I don't know how much Vince wanted them on commentary because I don't think they well, thought they he's needed from them. Tennessee or Kentucky or wherever he's from. <laughs> well, they had King and they had Doc and they had a bunch of guys. And but Russo would never keep him on commentary. Not up to Russo. He's not the. He's just the writer. Oh, he has no say in that. I don't think so. Okay. He just writes the angles. Yeah, I just meant during his tenure. Ah, I don't. Know. I think Russo had nothing to do with that. But anyway, Cornette, the announcer. Uh, the last real notable thing he did for WWF, and you might not remember this, is the pilot episode of SmackDown. He was actually the color guy in 99. Oh, I don't even remember yeah. that at all. Michael Cole, Jim Cornette, at ringside. Michael, it's going to be a tremendous night tonight. Network television and WWF. What a combination. See, this is, again, the whole thing with Cornette. Not it, memorable. Not memorable. Good, because, though. But, but he always felt like a fill-in. Like, he never felt know. like a real announcer. Except maybe that WCW run that he had, which was brief, yeah. too. It wasn't long. Just another thing to compare it to. It's like when Paul would be with Joey for, like, a week or two. Paul Heyman, yeah. Yeah, it was just like, okay. No, I, I get, get it. You know? But he was, uh, again, folks, if you've never heard him on commentary, very much in the vein of, uh, you know, a Jesse Ventura, a Bobby Heenan, but it's just Jim Cornette. But a, a heel commentator mm -hmm. that knew what to get over, was funny, would go back and forth with McMahon or JR right. or whoever he was with. Very good at it. Brother! Tell you what, I've never seen anybody take so much punishment. Shawn Michaels literally got launched over the top right rope just a few minutes ago, and now two big bulldog paws straight to the bush, and we're still sitting over here behind Psycho Sid, who's looking at us cockeyed every time we turn around. Wait I don't minute. like this guy, McMahon. First, you got dynamite going off the building. Then you put this psycho in front of me. I want some kind of hazardous duty. Oh, my goodness, and the British bulldog ripped in a buckle. So, Quinn, I'd say it's ranking time? Yeah, sure. All right. 
Now, just a quick, quick rundown here. Joey Styles, number one. Jerry Lawler, number two. Mike Tanay, number three. And Bob Cottle, number four. Quinn, where do you think we start Morrow in the discussion? Do you think we just start with Bob Cottle? I think he's above Cottle. Oh, all right. Tell me why. Well, just because, again, he's a lead. He's more of a lead. And the problem with Cottle over and over again that comes to my head is that he never made a big impact. He no. always was subtle. When Morrow came in, he came in like, he just shot him right in. Like, he was just like, this is refreshing. It's a right. breath of fresh air. Right. It's a throwback to something when people wanted it. Whereas Cottle was just... Eh? He was good he, at what he did. He was good at what he did. And he was always there. Kindly. It's really all there is to it with Cottle. I, I, I keep running into this with Cottle. It's like, I want to elevate him, but it's hard. Well, yeah, like, with, with these people so far, I think it is, Quinn, because... Morrow is, uh, I mean, again, this is about as far apart in the eras as I think we can get in this list here. Right. Because Cottle had started in the freaking 60s, you know? Right. And Morrow just came WWE in 2016, I think it was. Yeah. So we're very, very far apart in terms mm-hmm. of the eras here. Yeah. But Morrow's a throwback to Cottle's era. In, in a way. Of, and not, well, not entirely. Okay, so this is, the, this is the main difference. Whereas Cottle, again, is the newsman turned wrestling announcer. Yeah. Morrow is the... Sports fight, announcer, fight yeah. sport announcer fight sport. turned. I mean, that's what it, he boxing yes, and MMA fight sport. It fight is. sport announcer turned professional wrestling announcer, and he's damn good at it, right? And I think it's more of a, a fit, like it just it fits like a glove, like calling those kind of things. And I think he was actually to me one of the first where they tried to act more like wrestling was like MMA. The WWE had slowly been kind of trying that, but they didn't have a real person to kind of... To lend that credibility? To lend that credibility. Somebody would actually call MMA and boxing and stuff like that that could really say, like, that left hook that he the wrestler right. just threw was this, or this submission hold is this. That's like, a good point. Like, and why that means something, you know? Just to kind of try to bridge the gap for people that are fans of both, and you know, And on top of it, I like that Morrow mixed in, he, he started calling things like a lateral press, like... That, it's been a long that, time. But to me, what that was was like we're mixing in that this guy knows the moves, but he also knows the wrestling moves, right? right? And like so it's like it was this it was like this perfect marriage of those two things. And I thought that that was the first time I'd heard that in wrestling. That's well said, Quinn. Yeah. I do think Bob Cottle's very good in Smoky Mountain, though, for the record. He I got a chance to shine there. Now, Morrow, the one thing he doesn't have that Cottle has, because Cottle had that Smoky Mountain run and he was a little more show busy i guess yeah like and morrow i guess hasn't really had that opportunity and they don't really do that with him he's strictly there to be this is sports not yeah. entertainment this is sports. he's more of the this is sports announcer yeah. michael cole is their entertainment announcer mm-hmm. you know <laughs> honestly that's the way it's it's yeah. turned into it right but do you think overall that morrow ranallo is a better announcer than bob cottle yeah and I, again it's also just by virtue of like it's like a evolution you know again of this more this guy from another thing and he's doing this like okay because coddles that too it, at is. the end of the day he is i know it was years before that he was that but he still always had that you know that transatlantic style yeah. <laughs> like I, I know what you're saying the accent or whatever mauro ranallo and mike tenay okay so this is interesting this is tough this is tough so the professor mike tenay right he's like the pioneer the ultimate like first ever of the 
doing I know the moves and the international aspect kind of thing. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Jr. was pretty good at it too. I still, I still say Tanae was another level. Like it was like it was like purposeful. Like okay, that. Okay. Whereas Jr. they were always trying to mold him into something else. <laughs> yeah, Vince was always trying to mold him into yeah. whatever the hell he wanted. Like Tanae was picked up explicitly to do that because he knew his shit, man. Right. He, he really does. Now that being said, worst again, voice. He's got problems as an announcer. <laughs> Start with um, his voice. Sting, Kurt Angle, Sting, Kurt Angle, Sting, Kurt Angle, Sting, 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 Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle. The other Parmigiano Reggiano. Yeah, his, his voice. <laughs> that's not to say Morrow's like some got some great voice. I don't much know. better than Mike Tanay. Are you yeah, kidding yeah, no, me? No, it's better. I'm not. But I'm also saying that like Morrow is not your typical. Um, no, but he's got a good voice. Good, yeah. good voice. Yeah. <laughs> What I will say this, I think the one thing that might edge Morrow above Tanay is okay. that I think Morrow, whereas Tanay, it feels like some guy who sits in his basement and watches Japanese wrestling tapes. <laughs> like, he doesn't feel professional, whereas, like, Morrow is like, this guy's been around the world that, like, fights in, like, Russia and, like, weird shit and, like, actually, like, gone through the circuit and observed everything and studied it. And, like, it just feels... It just feels cleaner and more professional. Whereas Tanay, again, I, I feel like he's a guy that went to the mall and he found some um, New Japan tapes that some guy taped like on a fourth generation VHS. He watched it in his mom's basement. And he said, you know what? I could call these matches. And he called up Eric Bischoff and he said, I know the I know this move, this move. <laughs> I know this, this guy. Move. I know who Rey Mysterio is. And this. I know a lot about Luchador, yeah. Tony. Kurt yeah. Angle. Well, like, let me ask you this, Quinn. Here's a, here's a criteria for you. Who would you rather hear call a big title win, Mike Tanay or Mauro Ranallo? Mauro. I don't like. I don't think Tanay has that like big main announcer feel. Like we mentioned last week when we were talking about him, he was good as the analyst, but when when he was on TNA, he's fucking annoying. Yeah, Kurt Angle. I would say I I, I don't know if like you've seen any of these matches, but I think they're a good example of. Um, Morrow being good with his partner, by the way, Nigel McGinnis, who I don't think is going to make this list, but I just want to give, think so, give props because when I think of Morrow, I think of him and Nigel because I think they're a good team. They're pretty good. Yeah. Nigel's um, his own his own announcer, man. I'll not, tell you that much. Nigel is literally a British style <laughs> of, what like, of, of like what Morrow's doing. <laughs> yeah. Like It's like it's almost a, it's almost <laughs> very similar. Right. But I think there's two matches and it involves the same guy but I think that Morrow landed a lot of I don't know why I just liked him in that position it was like Aleister Black versus like Velveteen Dream right and also another Aleister Black match where he faced Johnny Gargano Johnny yeah that, Wrestling. Sound, that sounds about right and I saw those two matches I because you know how I watch these takeovers and I, I really just I when I was watching it I felt like Morrow was lending to the match that's maybe what he's it's just good that, at. Maybe it's just that he's a good, me he meshes good with the style that Aleister Black is portraying, like that he's this more like, he's kind of like a kickboxer type right. thing, like, you know, like more like kicks and stuff. And I, I felt like it was like a good mix with Morrow. And I don't know, like that to me, like highlights, it's like this guy's really like technical and understands like different styles of professional wrestling and different styles of fighting in fighting general. Fighting in general. Yeah. And broadcasting, which is another element to this yeah. whole thing, you know, to be a professional yeah, broadcaster. That's, that's the other thing, is that he adds the bombast when Alistair would hit certain kicks and right, stuff. Right, of course. Or, or Johnny Wrestling would do, like, flippy things, you know, like... Oh, Johnny Gargano is such a fantastic wrestler. Are we 
going to be putting him above Mike tonight? I have to. I, I just, I honestly have to. You think he's a more well-rounded announcer? He's more well-rounded. I agree with yeah. you. He, he's, I agree. He's got a little bit of everything. Not to say that I don't know if he'll go any higher, but let's say. King. King. Could I, I maintain King is not that good, but he's at number two because he was in the... But he's a fucking classic. He's like, a classic. I know that, but still, so is the Big Mac. Don't mean it's good for you. Okay, here's the here's my problem with King. He's in, not in, in one sense. Of course, he's inferior tomorrow. But they he, do different jobs. They do by different the way, jobs. he's a color man. Here's the thing: is that King is entertainment. He's pure entertainment. That's the point of him. Some might say that he's <laughs> yeah. entertaining. Um, Morrow is pure sport, right? With like, some with some flavor, though. Yeah, but not not as much. Like I've never seen him interview guys or make jokes or anything. Like no, like, he just has his bombast. Right, he just has his bombast. He um, does sports, okay. Now, when it comes to who does their thing, their particular thing, like the best, their their function, their yeah. function. I really kind of think King does because, like, what? Okay, let me put it to you this way. Oh my god, King as a heel announcer is like some of the funniest shit. Like when he's like in full heel mode. Like I, there is times when he just. He's rolling. Like, he just there gets... There are times, like, yes. he, he just really gets me. And, like, his corniness is almost his charm. I don't know how else to say it. Like, well... Like, I'll tell you this, Quinn. Some people don't like King. Some do. It's very polarizing. Some people either really like him or really hate him. Now, them. I think people who like Morrow hate King. Maybe. So this is where this is going to be hard. But they were a great team, too, ironically. Yes, and that's another thing. <laughs> they like, were good. And that's what makes it even harder is because when they were together, they both were like really good. I think Quinn, that King, and I've, I think I said this the first week, his humor notwithstanding, because yeah, he's funny sometimes, other times he's annoying, but he's yeah. a heel, so he's supposed to be annoying. Right. And I basically chop off liking him after like the mid-2000s because I think he's useless after that. <laughs> but and I still say he serves a function to explain to the youngsters what what the fuck the rules are but yeah well the spleen serves a function of my body but i don't want to pay any attention yeah. to it either i'm just saying he has a function yeah. let's put it that way all right uh so does farts <laughs> so but that notwithstanding i do think where king really gets overlooked and i i'm gonna keep saying this until i don't need to anymore is as an actual analyst, even when he was a heel in the 90s, yep. he really still could add to matches and get stuff over. Right. People yeah. only seem to remember him making jokes about Stu Hart or stuff puppies. like that. Right. But he really did, when the time called for it, he really did get the I shit know. over. He's not bad. I don't. I he just, became I bad, I maintain. Uh, listen, I, yeah. <laughs> okay. I know you don't want to like ever admit it, but the he, reason he, I he stopped say being he didn't good in the 2000s is because I always say that he was instructed to be not what he was. Get out of because here. Because we saw it when they said, King, just be yourself again. Be a heel again. Yeah. Be a heel, which is be a heel. And he was, he just like, it's he like, was a, good it was at like it. switching the light bulb on. He just like fucking instantly was picking out shit. And, and he's like, on SmackDown where they're less. Or at the They're time, less were less micromanaged. Yeah. yeah. To me, that's why I always say King never lost his luster, his function. Oh, just, he lost the luster. His function just changed. Now, does King Erectile have his, his, his bad moments? Like, for yes. example, like the, the 2005 to present. Well, at season's beatings when they went in on and on about Bitters, Arkansas. Like, for That's example. like the worst of Heel King, though. Yeah. It's like that type of shit. But 96, 97, <laughs> 98 with JR. He's really good. I know. And that, Give him a chance. That okay, so that's the that's always the like the monkey wrench in arguing anybody like Morrow over him. Is he presides over one of the most memorable eras 
he's part of the soundtrack. He's one. He's he one. Of, he's one of the lead singers. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, you know? suck when he he he's part of that band. Yeah. You know, he was an integral part. Commentary again. If it's mediocre, it's mediocre. But when it's good, it really does help the product. And it's like King and Jr. Like, were. It's like saying really like good. Ringo sucks compared to other musicians, right? But it, it, you're like, but he was in the Beatles, like, right? What the fuck? They still like, needed them. Yeah. Like exactly. And so how could you elevate anybody over him that isn't like? a real step, a cut above that, that can do what he can do also and other things. And that's the problem. Well, here's the thing, Quinn. Morrow. Morrow and has been in WWF not even three years. I yeah. think this is where the newness you had mentioned. Yeah. If it's going to come into play, I think it comes into play here and I think we keep King at number two. I, I can't believe I'm saying this because I've been trying to get him the that's hell down here. to say I don't think King will... He's gonna slide. I think ultimately, when, King is gonna end up at like six or something. Oh, but like, I, well, not if I we'll, have anything we'll, we'll to say see. about it. Got I'm just. I mean, in my, in my head, I'm in. trying to, to settle think. down there, yeah. Tiger. But you, you think that that's fair? I mean, King. Again, we're not just judging technical ability, folks, because Mora would probably be number one, honestly, on this list if that was the case. Yeah, because he's a professional isn't, broadcaster. Isn't about that. It's about everything. Because we, we did, we have explicitly said it's about color and commentary. So it's color. Play by play, a mix of their influence, their right. memorability, a lot of different factors mm-hmm. going. It's science, right? It, clearly. Well, it's clearly science, and it, and the science to me dictates that King is just a little bit better than Morrow. Yep, I don't think we're going to have any chemical change here. I think yeah. we'll keep King at number two. It's not going to be a chemical romance. Stop it, uh, your chemical romance. <laughs> Black parade over yeah. here, but we'll insert Morrow at number three. So welcome, welcome hey, to number three, Morrow Ronaldo, yeah, third okay. greatest of all time. Yeah, the third, the third greatest commentator. Somehow Joey Styles hanging on, but. Um, I think he belongs there for now. Yeah, we uh, have one more here. Corny. The Jimmy the Corny. So I'm going um Corny versus Coddle. I, I can't like Yeah, I agree I with can't you. Put him I can't up. put him any higher than Coddle. If we even he might be below Coddle. That's the thing. So here's the thing. Cornette is when he does commentary, he really is good. And I think the fact that he did it so sporadically and not for long, but so many people voted for him, it's because he's good at it. But I think it's a disservice to even a guy like Coddle who did it like his whole career. To be like Jim Cornette is better than him somehow. Well, maybe like, if I don't Cottle think... was better, he wouldn't. <laughs> no, but I don't even think Jim Cornette would say he was better than Bob Cottle. In fact, I've heard him talk glowingly about Bob Cottle. Of course you did, because yeah. I dropped that into an episode. Okay, that's where I heard that. <laughs> I think based on the fact that Cornette only did it sometimes. Yeah, that he's Eddie Guerrero of this so far. If you're newer to the show, folks, uh, last year Eddie Guerrero or last was, season. Last last season, excuse yep. me, was the um the perpetual basement dweller in the rankings as WWF world champion. The guy because he was it. champion for two months. Like. <laughs> yeah. And Cornette might be the equivalent of that. Yeah. Now, had he done it full time, even like for a couple of years, he'd probably be competing with King because uh, Cornette's that damn good as an announcer. Now well, you'll hear it when yeah. you listen to this back, Quinn. Okay. <laughs> you will. I mean, he was good. Yeah. However, he didn't do it that much. I know. It's like if Shawn Michaels was on this list, like because he was on Raw for three months or something, yeah, like, and sometimes in '98. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. He's he's a guest commentator at best. Yeah, unfortunately, except that, like I said, that brief stint with Jr. Yeah, where he was really good in WWF. Right. He really was. He was only occasional in WWF. And bear in mind, he was an on-screen presence in WWF from '93 to '99 on screen. Yeah. He was not really an announcer for much of that, like very occasionally. Yeah. Like you said, I say that based on that, 
look, he's good. He's entertaining. He's fun to listen to. Maybe we'd get sick of it if we heard it every week. Even yeah. I don't know. You know, we yeah. never got to. I had a feeling I would get sick of it even back then. But that's you just think me. so? Huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, I wasn't like thrilled with him on commentary. You weren't? Yeah. I just I was always like, I don't know. You just should be a manager and cutting promos. Like I don't really get. Hmm. I don't know. I I feel like I could never. I didn't like suffering through an hour with Cornette. Like, it was terrible. <laughs> okay, I understand. Well, I said we just keep him at number six. It's That's we, below Coddle, right? That's below Coddle. Someone might, you know, he might be better than any other name. We don't know who else is going to make the list, yeah. folks. But I, Let's put it this way. I just, I think ultimately he's a guest commentator, and that's really about it. Yeah, I, I think so, Quinn. Yeah. I don't think it's an insult to put him at the bottom right now considering the cases we've made for everybody else. Yeah. And considering that Cornette might not finish last when it's all said and done. I will say this. Cornette's going to be mad that he's below Joey Styles. <laughs> well, I'm still impressed that Joey Styles is hanging strong here. Yeah. But that's the way the cookie has crumbled so far. So I guess we'll go to the rankings, Quinn, as sure. of week three. Hit the music. Your Royal Rankings as of January 14th. 2019 at number one, Joey Styles. Congratulations, Joey. You're number still one. there. Still there. Number two, miraculously, it's royalty himself, Jerry the King Lawler. His royal highness himself. His royal Heine. At number three, Mauro Ronaldo side press. Yeah, no, that's a high rank for Mauro. I'm very impressed. Early on. <laughs> early on. Number four, the professor, Mike Cheese Voice Tanay. Just, just a cut below Mauro. Yeah, cut a cheddar. Yeah. Really sharp. Number five, Bob Cottle, the weatherman. Very- ah, the Weatherman. Very respectable. Hey, I'm glad that he beat yet. someone out, yeah, though. Good. Number six, no disrespect intended, but Jim Cornette, someone's got to be last. Yeah, well, I mean, he just didn't do anything. <laughs> he enough, really like. didn't. So, folks, that is the Royal Rankings of Announcers. Week number three, again, be sure to let us know yours. You can do that on Twitter. You can do that by email or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, Bill Watts is going to open the door. Yeah, and, and he's he going <laughs> to come through like the shining light. We'll be back right after this. Mattered New Yorkers have only one message for the Boston Red Sox. When the Yanks get done with them, they're going to be the black and blue Sox. Boston, look out, because here comes New York. Boston's just jealous because they know New York is the best and we're number one, and don't you ever forget it. Don't miss the all-out battle of the best. The Yankees roast the Red Sox Monday at 7.30 on Channel 11. And now, back to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 113. And before we review something, Quinn, there are other podcasts out there. They're not hosted by Conrad Thompson. It's amazing. Are they hosted by Sean Mooney? They don't charge $20 on Patreon. No, no, no. Uh, There are three great friends of the show that we want to shout out. They do their thing the same way we do, you know, independent, grassroots, trying to make a good show for you people out there. So check these guys out. Let's start with our friends, the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, WPAN. 
This show is hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the business. One of them, Quinn, actually a wrestler right now in Ring of Honor. The Wine City Whaler. Yeah, Brian Malone is the Wine City Whaler. His, oh, he's hanging and banging over there. With the Beer City Bruiser, of course. Is he going to win the tag belt soon? I hope they win something? the tag titles. I saw, some of the, I saw some of the Whaler's goals this year. Yes, I know. like uh, he's gunning for those belts. The one thing he left off that list was to officially change his nickname to the Wine City Whaler. Wouldn't it be great if when we go to Ring of Honor yeah. that the Wine City Whaler wins the tag belt? I would love to see that happen. I think we'd be the biggest fans. I think we would be. But until then, we'll have to settle for WPAN. Uh, it's co-hosted, or his, the, the main guy, you know, that yeah. hosts the show, that, that allegedly does all the work, is a guy that uh, supposedly, Quinn, is on an extended hiatus from being a referee. Allegedly. But we um, think it's just retirement. Now, I hear the Crockett Cup is coming up. Oh, yeah, the Crockett Cup. Does that mean he's going to ref <laughs> the main event? I mean, he, it's only proper right. that the Crockett Cup is <laughs> it's, the main event is ref by Mike Crockett. That's right. Mean Mike Crockett, the meanest of the Mikes. The biggest of the daddies. And the most retired of the referees. The most retired, <laughs> yeah. And they do a great show, folks. Check it out. Uh, they mix in their, their retro wrestling memories as fans with current context. And sometimes you'll get an interview with people in the independent wrestling scene. Really good show. WPAN, the wrestling podcast about nothing. And then on Thursdays, don't miss the critically acclaimed yeah, twin. all the critics. Us. It is Greetings from Allentown, hosted by our little brother, Petey Winston. A little baby Petey. Little baby Petey. What he does is he'll take an old episode of wrestling, and he'll kind of review it, but he'll just talk about other stuff also yeah. while he does that. Yeah, you know, like the Pittsburgh penguins or something bourbon yeah uh, you <laughs> his know cast sports yeah new sport, a lot of sports new england sports his travels he recorded one recently while he was driving he recorded an yeah, opening segment I that was heard- so check out greetings from allentown it's a really funny quirky interesting show very different from ours but the same type of feel just making you feel entertained talking about the old wrestling it's good on a drive it, it, very good on a drive it's good road trip and stuff yeah and speaking of the old wrestling if you like your wrestling with a trip to the Ozarks, you can check out Book in the Territory, our Southern Fraud brethren. They do a show on the NWA WCW from like the Crockett era. Right now, they're in 87. Yeah. But they also do Smoky Mountain, so you get more Bob Cottle. Yeah, do they take us down to the, the Omni every week? We go down to that Omni there. We also go down to those Smoky Mountains. As Mike Mills and his crew do the unprofessional wrestling podcast, it is Book in the Territory. So check out our three friends of the show, would you? It is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Greetings from Allentown and booking the territory. But Quinn, before Bill Watts opened the door. Bill Watts opened the door and he walked through, brother, and came out of the shining light. He opened the doors to the Mid-South Wrestling because what had happened, Leroy McGurk, who you might know as the father of female ring announcer Mike McGurk. That's the only thing I know. (laughs) (laughs) Used to own this territory in the late 50s, uh, NWA Tri-State. Bill Watts bought the territory in 1979, called it the Mid-South Wrestling Association. Yes. And from 1979 until 1986, it was known as such. One of the first things that Bill Watts did was withdraw Mid-South from the NWA proper. So they weren't officially a member of the NWA, but they worked alongside with them. They had a working relationship. And Bill Watts developed a very good territory in the early to mid-80s where you have weekly episodic st- storytelling, mm-hmm. which was kind of worlds better than what WWF had been doing in the early 80s. It feels still like crockety. I don't it know is how, crockety. Else, how to, else to describe it when I was watching it. It's in the vein of NWA. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But it's technically not a member. Mm-hmm. And then in 1986, in March, he renames Mid-South Wrestling to... Universal Wrestling Federation, UWF. Now, this was this a effort to make it sound like this was like 
WWF or yes. like the World Wrestling Federation kind of. That it wasn't just down in the South there in the Midwest. Yeah. And this was an attempt, as Jim Crockett was doing, to compete with Vince McMahon's juggernaut World Wrestling Federation. Which they had no chance. But Right. And in the aftermath of this, uh, it didn't work despite being cr- creatively acclaimed. Yeah. It didn't work. Vince wound up swooping up a lot of talent from here. You know what the sad part about UWF to me ultimately is? Is like everyone just picked it apart. And ultimately, like, it also caused problems with buying it because Jim Crockett shouldn't really, he didn't really have the money to yeah, buy it. Like, but he and, did anyway. Right. And so, like, the result of the fallout of this promotion is kind of a mess, but not because of UWF, more right. because of the dumb people that got involved trying to, like, pick it apart. Yeah. Like, well, Vince raided half the roster. Uh, right. being, I'm being a little exaggeratory, but he, he got DiBiase, Duggan, One Man Gang, a bunch of guys from here. But not only that, yeah, Crockett, Jim Crockett Promotions purchased this in the spring of 1987. So we have about a year left of it at this point. And formally, it closed in December. So he kind of operated it a little bit and it petered out by the end of 87. Mm -hmm. And that was it. It was kind of absorbed into the NWA or Crockett Promotions. If I recall those UWF titles, they fought the Crockett people like they I think so I, I thought there was some kind of like matches where that those titles were phased into the, the NWA Crockett you're belts. correct yeah. yes they were briefly in 87 and that was kind of it after that uh, there was no more UWF no more Mid-South and Herb Abrams wound up picking up the name in 1990 <laughs> Again, for his just, Universal just Wrestling Federation the, the mess <laughs> that like people picking up all the little pieces of it that to me is the sad part it's like somebody makes something kind of cool and then yep. like everyone just is like we can't let that exist right like it's like it's the way wrestling is it's anytime something good happens like some everyone who's bigger than that that new thing has to get involved the vulture swoop in they, they swoop in take all the talent take yep. the name take yep. the company <laughs> it's a mess it's left with pretty much nothing but right now what we're going to review is uwf power pro wrestling from may 19th 1986 now, let me get this right it's called uwf mid-south power pro wrestling it's kind of like they're phasing out the mid-south name yeah weird okay and anyway this takes place on may 19th so it's like fake kane gonna appear <laughs> or is this when or is this maybe when the incident happened that they're like referencing back oh to? maybe you might yeah. be right there so this is right after they became uwf which was a couple of months earlier and quinn we open with a recap from last week the on-screen graphic says it's the bad girls of uwf UF, They're pretty bad. Where JR, yes, that JR, yes. interviews Dark Journey and Lady Maxine, who has a mohawk in some living room. Let me tell you this. He wouldn't have anything to do with a woman like you. Is this Turtles 1? Like, that's what Maxine <laughs> reminds me of. Or, like, that character, that, like, bad guy you fight in Final Fight that's, like, a woman man thing that has a mohawk. No, no, Mad Maxine, Lady Maxine, folks, she was actually, you might not know this, very briefly in the World Wrestling Federation in 1985, yeah. and she was supposed to be into a feud with Wendy Richter, but something with Moolah, maybe Moolah controlled her. Of course. Right? Like, why Why would anything good happen unless Moolah could ruin it? Right, of like, course. So they get into a tizzy anyway, uh, Dark Journey and Maxine do. Yeah, JR's really upset, because this isn't this isn't supposed to be like high school. No, this isn't high school. Yeah. Uh, so then we throw to a promo with Lady Maxine and her uh, partner, main squeeze, I don't know, Jack Victory. He's the Bam Bam Bigelow of Lady Maxine's <laughs> life. And they promise victory and they promise revenge. And then we get fucking awesome intro music. Like oh, I, I love it. This is kind of generic. No. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't in love with this theme. Well, folks, you're listening to it right now under us. Let us know what you think. Uh, yeah. I thought the intro package, though, Quinn, was very well produced. Uh, yeah. People hitting big moves and Terry Taylor. 
Geller is in it. It was, it was again. I thought it was standard fare. Didn't it wasn't really? blow me away. I don't know why. I just this intro didn't really like okay. do it for me. Different strokes yeah. for different folks. Hacksaw prominently featured in the intro. He was a big player there. And we're hosted by Jim Ross and Michael P.S. Hayes. No shirt. And we're in the Tulsa Convention Center. Yeah. Uh, Jr. is young. He's vibrant. He's saying hello to all the new TV markets. Quinn, it's Hawaii. <laughs> Puerto Rico, pretty impressive. Kansas yeah. City, Las Vegas. Yeah, by the way, Doc is very <laughs> annoying as JR is trying to answer oh, the God, show. He keeps, he keeps like, interrupting them. keeps interrupting and talking about nonsense. And he's very Doc. He's very Doc. I, I'm not going to say Hayes. No, but because, he is a heel. So here's the thing is later on, like, obviously, he's still a wrestler because he's got the no shirt. Very on. much, yes. Um, yeah, no shirt means you're a wrestler. It's almost <laughs> like he reverts to Doc. When he commentates, <laughs> like uh, minus the well, yeah, King like, yeah, like minus that, but he's pretty much Doc. He's aggravating, you mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're so happy to be affiliated with the CBS affiliate KCTV because Channel of 5. us. Because of us. Every uh, Sunday uh, night us in Kansas City on that great television station. So let's go to the ring announcer, Mike Wilson, who looks very much like Shivani did in 86. That's true. I didn't, I didn't note it, but I, I, I can see it. It's Gustavo Mendoza, who's kind of like a, a Cuban guy, mm -hmm. versus Perry Jackson. Now, Gustavo, he's like fake Che with shitty pants. Yeah, he does look like him, yeah, right? With a Che Guerrero. Is that how you say Rivera, it? Yeah. Rivera. So it's one fall, 10-minute time limit, so that's good. Not a bad match here. Circle to start. Lockup yeah. goes nowhere. And it's whatever. Side headlock by Mendoza into a hammerlock. Reversed by Jackson into an armbar. Reversed again by Mendoza. Again by Jackson into the armbar. By the way, Quinn, the commentary, I have to say, I know it's Hayes. It's still 10 times better than a lot of things we'd normally hear, except NWA or WWF. Like It's, yeah, it's very vibrant. I can't say that the... I don't think either of these guys yet are better than NW. Like, especially like they're not better than the Shivani Crockett team. Yeah, I like that team, and yeah. they're not better than Monsoon with anybody or like Vince Ventura even or, with anybody. Yeah, yeah, they're not. But it's better than like some of the promotions that we do around this time. Yeah, it's bad. I'll admit that it is above average. They're Let's no Luthez though. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean Luthez. <laughs> Best of the color and the commentation. Yeah. He even said it. <laughs> Production is great. I noticed Quinn. Good, good camera shots. Good angles. Oh, yeah, good the, lighting. I will say this: the ca the camera work never distracted me. In fact, I never took a negative or positive note. It was just kind of like there. It's well and done. Like, yeah, I didn't really have a problem with it. Mendoza misses a corner charge, and Jackson works the arm again. The ring is very noisy. By that the way. I noticed it's too. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> squeaky ring. Yeah, Jr. calls the records of both men not tremendous. Uh, very, yeah. very diplomatic in 1986. Jr. Jr. You know that that's his thing. <laughs> They're like, not tremendous, folks. <laughs> yeah, he he always has a way of like. He's trying to hype them, but yeah. not really. And like, Hayes, Hayes totally contradicts them, though. He's like, no, they are tremendous because they're professional wrestlers. They're not football players that don't yeah. wear pads and helmets and all that. Well, later on, like, Doc, like, really, <laughs> Doc. like, like starts <laughs> insulting people. But, oh, God, yeah, yeah, he gets worse. Yeah. Arm drag takedown by Jackson into an armbar on the mat. Hayes talks about some kid he knows that's going to college. Well, it's not high school, so JR <laughs> doesn't really care about that. <laughs> Mendoza fights back, breaks the armbar with a corner whip. He heads to the second rope, nails an elbow. Hayes starts doing... This bothered me. Play by play. All right, now he's got a good arm bar. There's a forearm across the chest. Legal forearms. I couldn't tell here if, because they said something about how Bill Watts is usually on commentary. Yes, is he this usually like, is. I guess this is a guest spot for Hayes, so this isn't like his day job, really. So he's got the cornet spot, right, essentially. Right, he's got the cornet <laughs> spot, yeah. Now, one thing that 
does irk me, you folks might know, is when you have two announcers and they both do play-by-play. So it's that, really annoying. It bothered me, yeah. yeah. But anyway, a snap suit play by Mendoza gets two. Hayes bitches about how he didn't hook the leg. Who is he, Gorilla? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's almost like Vampiro from uh, Lucha Underground. Yeah, Remember? He didn't right. hook the leg, bro. Yeah, they like, gotta hook the leg, bro. He, he went on and on yep. about that on that show. <laughs> Big close by Mendoza gets two. Doc mentions that the PS in his name stands for Purely Sexy. That upsets me. Because <laughs> he's just not no, he's not. Michael P.S. Hayes. I, for some reason, it just doesn't roll off my tongue. Perhaps well, you're not a woman. That's why. Well, that's true. He misses a uh, somersault splash off the ropes. Mendoza does, and Jackson makes a comeback with punches. Irish whip in back body drop as Hayes is still calling play-by-play, and he's sitting next to Jim Ross. I know. Just it, let JR do it. Maybe because <laughs> JR's like newer, so like Hayes feels he could step all over him. <laughs> it's being a little yeah. bitchy, if you ask me. Body slam by Jackson. Irish whip, but Mendoza throws an elbow off the ropes and then hits a really shitty neck breaker for the win. Not bad at all, Quinn. It was decent, like more NWA-like. Not sure what the purpose of this, though, was. I don't know who either guy is. Well, because they both felt like jobbers, like both of them. Yeah, should I know who Mendoza is? I don't know. I've never heard of him. he's like Che. Yeah, (laughs) right? That's pretty much it. Up next, Quinn, is Ted DiBiase, but first, it's UWF 22 break one. One. That's right. We get a... Make sure sure to say it again. One. Spelled out. Yes. Every time we go to commercial break, folks, this must be a master tape from the studio. You just get a graphic saying UWF-22. I'm guessing episode 22. Yeah. Probably yeah, what it I is. guess. I, I don't know. Break one, the number one. And then it says the, one spelled out under it in case you're like not good at that or something. <laughs> not good at good numbers. numbers. Or if you're not good at spelling. One of the, See, you have, you're you have options on this break screen. <laughs> Back to JR and Doc as we get a kind of strange fundraising campaign where UWF mm. is going to go to your gymnasium, okay. JR says, help so, you make money. This feels like something you shouldn't say on the air. I know. Like they're doing fundraisers in gymnasiums. Now, this also is not the first time I've seen this because I've seen this on Smoky Mountain. They used to all the time. Yes, they used you're right. Always, like we can help do fundraisers and birthday parties and stuff. <laughs> birthday and it, parties. Like I'm not kidding. Like that. You can't book a clown. Just book Hollywood Bob Holly. <laughs> no, but I'm not like joking. Like, I know this you're is, not. This is like a real thing. It's in, a serious epidemic. Now, is this like? I hate to say it, but is it more like a southern thing? Is it something like it's supposed to seem like down home? And oh, like, got a hoot man here for you, I folks. Just, I just mean that like it's supposed to be more community driven because it's like the South is more that like that style, southern charm. You yeah, mean southern and charm, like hospitality, I, I, coastal. Like in my in my head, I'm wondering if do they think, oh look, we're doing something for the community that's really nice, like you know, Very but, nice. but it makes them look small. They so do it, look small with it this It makes move. them look small. They but, were great until this. But in their brain, they're thinking, oh, we're giving back to the, our fans yeah, or something. Why don't they yeah. just have a fish fry in a church bake sale yeah, while I they're mean, at it? They it's could. on that level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. JR, though, Quinn, did you notice in the promo, he actually says it's sports entertainment. I didn't really hear that, but yeah. I'm also not really surprised right. either because... So Watts kind of... Yeah. Watts had a good feel for what he was well, doing. I'm going to give so him that. So I will say this: Watts stands out in a in a world of like Southern charm and sit, shit like that. Like, well, because he ain't charming. That's for right. Sure. Like he stands out as a guy that really wanted to be doing what Vince was doing more than what, say, Jim Crockett was doing. I think so. Yeah. I, or Fritz von Erich was doing right, or anyone yeah. like that. And he was good at it. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Like Bill Watts was very good in the 80s at this stuff. He yeah. really was good. It's no wonder 
WCW brought him in later, but I don't really think they got what, or Watts had by then, he had been left behind yeah. to what Vince was doing. Exactly. Everyone was at yeah. that point. If you want to participate here, you can call Scott Munns oh, at okay. 918 He'll tell you call, all about it. Yeah, I'm sure a porno lady will tell you about that <laughs> nowadays if you call that number. Our next match, match. is uh, Gary Young, who has a light blue windbreaker, in the ring as Ted DiBiase makes his way down the ring. So now DiBiase has his black trunks, but mm-hmm. he has white boots, which Weird. was a little odd, right? Yeah, very odd. He's announced from his actual residence of Omaha, Nebraska, because remember, he didn't have his millions yet. Yeah, so he, he wasn't in his spring, summer, <laughs> no, no. fall residence, all that right. shit. Big face reaction for the teddy bear, because he is a face here. Uh, so weird. Hayes says he looks like a corn husker, and then he just straight up says he looks like a piece of corn. He looks like a corn husker. That's what his face looks like, a corn. Piece of, piece of chewed off corn. Young has no knee pads, so that means I don't like him. Grapple to start, as JR says, we have yet to see the best of Teddy Biasi, which... I don't know what that means. He means, you know, he's, he hasn't even entered the prime of his career yet. Okay. I don't know. I guess yeah. JR's right in a sense. Uh, Wastelock by Young, reversed by Teddy. Young hits the ropes, clean break. Hayes bitches about how Iron Mike DiBiase wasn't that great of a wrestler. Okay. So this is really funny to me. So how this starts is basically Hayes is like... Iron Mike DiBiase sucks. Yeah. So, like, Ted DiBiase is going to be crap. Yeah. And then JR, like, to defend that. And I'm not entirely clear which one of them he's talking about because he just, bl- like, blanketly says this. He's like, I played football, Big Ten, so he's good. Like, I swear that's, like, his only defense. That. And you talk about how great a wrestler his father was. I went and checked books. His father wasn't that great a wrestler, even though that was a good waist lock takeover. Guys in the ropes. That's his a, father wasn't that great a wrestler. That's a little cold, Michael. What do you mean cold. it's cold? Well, I mean, he was he was hey. a big seven champion. He was an All-American. Hey, can you facts say? are facts, baby. All right, well, let's get back to the match. I think like, he was talking about Iron Mike. Yeah, it's like the classic Jared Fence. <laughs> yep. He played football, so he's better than you think, or whatever. We're already in 86, Jared, yeah. with the football references. Yeah. Waistlock takedown by DiBiase, into the ropes again by Young. Headlock by Young into a takeover. Head scissors by Ted DiBiase to escape. Doesn't Gary Young look kind of like the Brooklyn Brawler? <laughs> a like, little bit. Yeah, doesn't he? Like, yeah, a little I, bit. I, the more I like watched him, not the Brooklyn Brawler when he had the Brooklyn gear. No, Steve like Lombardi. Steve Lombardi Harry. version, yeah. yeah. Now, that's not a compliment, by the no, way. No, it's not. <laughs> now, waistlock by Young, reversed by DiBiase into an armbar. Shoulder block by Ted DiBiase. He hits a big clothesline out of the corner and goes into, I guess, his finisher, the figure four leg lock for the win. Yeah, Rick DiBiase <laughs> over here. The nature boy, <laughs> yeah. Rick DiBiase. Yeah. <laughs> Hayes leaves now to go get ready for his this match. This is weird because... This match is until much later in the yeah, show. I don't know why. Like, does he have to like ready. warm up or yeah, something? You know, maybe he's got to yeah. take a shower and get himself loose. Yes, I, I mean, he already had his shirt off and he was in his ring gear. Like, <laughs> That's what, true. What, what? How much ready did he need to get? <laughs> we go to break under bad reputation by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Yeah, Ronda Rousey's theme. Yes, Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Our trivia contest clue, Quinn. I don't know what this is all about. This is what a direct quote. His favorite maneuver has felled many wild animals. I'm gonna go huh. with. A drunken Jake Roberts pissing on squirrels behind a Denny's at 2 a.m. UWF 22 break two. Two. We're back as JR is now solying it up by himself. We get clips of last week where JR sings high praises, of course, <laughs> of course, for, for Bill Watts. Your best ever. How great he is. You know, he's a patriot. What a great American, folks. <laughs> he gets really bombastic oh, about how great Bill Watts is uh, in this segment. I respect Cowboy Bill Watts as much as any man I have ever known. Who cares? Because Bill Watts, of course, stood up against the Russians and Eddie Gilbert. Uh, so we get clips this, of last week. Yeah, okay. This clip, I don't like 
Bill Watts at all. In no, this. me he, neither. He seems like a dick. He does seem like a dick. Yeah. Well, they say the best gimmicks are steeped in real life. So Watts <laughs> tells Eddie Gilbert that he doesn't want that Russian flag being put on anyone. Remember, Cold War, dead center of the Cold War here in yeah. the mid-80s. <laughs> anyway, we get clips of uh, Watts telling Gilbert he doesn't want that flag being put on. We get a half-ass USA chant from the crowd. Like, yeah. it's not even good. Even it's just they're like, like yeah, why okay. should we hate this yeah. guy? Like, they're, they're, they're a little, like, they don't understand. No. The Blade Runners run in. And Why? What? This was weird. They're heels, by the way. Sting looks really dirty, by the way. Like, really, like, fluffy and dirty. Face paint all fucked up. It's like a dirty blanket. And like, they- like, I don't know what else, to, how else to describe them. So as we mentioned earlier at the top of the show, coincidentally, the Blade Runners are Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. As Rock. That yeah. was his name. Now, Rock. Rock and, and Sting. Sting, they yes. do, like, nothing, basically. Oh, they like, do nothing. They, they just, oh, we're here. They stand there and look steroided up, basically, yeah. like, Literally. Now they're heel, which I didn't realize. Yeah. but whatever. and Watts is not intimidated. He doesn't back down. And then Doctor Death runs Get out, out of here, Derek he t- boy. <laughs> he tries to attack the heels while Watts at first attempts to keep order, and then he just beats up every heel. He starts sneak attacking them, yeah. and he has a Jarrah has a wet dream about it. He how is Watts the face? He has sneak attacked everyone. <laughs> everyone in the ring. It's true. What is, why is he good? Like, <laughs> I don't get it. And JR's like flipping out. Oh, you oh know? JR's, he's a patriot. Like, he's he, so going to watch. Yeah, you know? It's like, shut the hell up. <laughs> watch with that right hand to Sting that sends him flying. And look who's standing. Look who's standing. Three Americans. And this crowd in Tulsa is standing. They love it. They're proudly representing their country. Right. So why can't Watts just respect that and proudly represent his? This is America, Dad. Yeah. DiBiase joins the fun in beating up the heels as well as JR continues to scream at the actions of his hero, Bill Watts, there. Oh, he beats up everyone of repeatedly because, of course, he does. It's Bill Watts. He looks like a fat accountant. <laughs> Like it, he it, actually it, does. He does. That's literally his. I don't look. know why Watts is doing anything at this point. Because it's his promotion. Yeah. He's got to keep himself on top, I guess. Mm-hmm. More yelling by Jr. Crowd is at least kind of into it. It's not that big of a I reaction. Suppose. We throw to Watts and Doctor Death at Bill Watts' house. I guess he opened the door. For yeah, them. I guess. Now Watts. <laughs> for, he, I have a problem with for, him here. First of all, yeah, he has a tank top on. Yeah, it's tucked into his short shorts with a belt. Well, that is not. That, what is that? No, Give wait, me the Otto Vons look. I wasn't really looking at that because I just thought it was a weightlifting belt. Well, it was a big gut. That's yeah. what I saw. Well, I mean, you need that to keep that tucked in there. <laughs> and he says he's always had a tank problem and he tells some like stupid story about how he made dr death like so scary that some guy forfeited to him then he makes fun of russia for invading afghanistan so this part their mule carts yeah so this afghanistan part this is so random you know i was just a a baby in the 80s and everything but you were just born here i thought four days earlier the war between russia and afghanistan was more like it was kind of like on the periphery. People weren't like this was not a primary reason why people hated Russia or anything. Am I am I wrong here? I don't think that's why. I don't know. I don't know, folks. Let us know your memories Is of hating Bill Russia. Bill Watts just like a massive like anti-communist person in real life, and he's like on, I would he's imagine like so, the, Quinn. He's like on the pulse of what like Russia's doing. Yes, probably. Like, if Fox News existed back then, yeah, he would be watching it. Okay. He'd be on it. Yeah. Let me put it that way. Uh, all Jr. needs, though, Quinn, I've noticed here, is Danny Hodge in this room, and he'd truly be in heaven. Like, that'd be the trifecta. Oh, my Bill God. Bill Watts, Dr. Death, and Danny Hodge, he'd be in heaven. I bet you Jr. would, like, be running from, like, behind the camera and asking for their autographs <laughs> and asking for, like, a picture. He's like, oh, they're all here. They're all here, my favorites. This is just lacking high school. Can we go in your pool? Bottom line is that Watts has had enough of these Russians. He is retired. Yeah? 
good. He's going to keep his retirement shirt, which he's wearing right now. Yeah. But he's going to have a street fight. That's right. He's coming back and he's going to have a street fight. Can I say something about Please that? Please go ahead. He is saying like, yeah, I'm technically not wrestling again because I'm in a street fight. But a street fight is a professional wrestling match. Correct. What the fuck is he talking about? I like he's just coming back and just in <laughs> he's wrestling in a different type of match. And different clothes, I think, is his point. He's just right? trying to mask the fact that he's having a come out of retirement match, even though like he's supposed to be retired. I think so. Yeah. Now objectively this was a good promo, but I don't like anything that I heard. But objectively it was well done. I'll it's say okay. that. It's at his house, it's different. Anyway, it's like Paul Heyman. I, I don't want to hear them making fun of of him at his house <laughs> at his house yeah exactly yeah. like Heyman did that shit yeah back to jr who tells us that next week ivan and nikita koloff will have a statement about all of this so that's okay. interesting up next though it's the sheep herders but first uwf 22 break three three we're back luke and butch are already in the ring they're the bushwhackers folks but they're heels the sheep herders now they have the support straps <laughs> on like they're salvatore Baloma or something <laughs> which i cannot condone that yeah it's their similar attire but it's red yeah, and, and the support, support straps, straps. but they're still camo pants. They need to, that <laughs> is an unnecessary addition. They don't need that support. Yeah. Jack Victory, speaking of support, is with them, <laughs> unnecessary support. Their opponents, Quinn, are Tracy Smothers and Brett Wayne Sawyer. I gotta say, a lot of Jack Victory on this show. Too much Jack yeah. Victory. One fall, 10-minute time limit. Jack Victory waves a giant New Zealand flag. They're heels because New Zealand or something. <laughs> like what? Yeah. I don't. This one. This one baffled me because they're talking about American pride and all this. But like New, New Zealand? Zealand, nobody has a problem with New. Ze- they like they barely exist to the U.S. They're like, not. It, no they're one not, thinks they're of like them. non-offensive near <laughs> Australia. And, and they, they might English. be Australia. Nobody's ever sure. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. If you know, let us know. I think they're Australia. I know right? they filmed Lord of the Rings there. That's pretty much the most prominence I've ever heard about New Zealand. Beautiful country. Yeah. If you ever see like pictures of really really nice looking country it's very um, picturesque and mountainous yeah it's nice grass everywhere yeah it's green emerald green it'd make a good calendar yeah what the fuck are you talking about luke and brett start here clothesline by sawyer butch and tracy come in and the whackers dominate for a bit jr mentions that we have coming up quinn this sounded interesting a barbed wire cage match between the sheep herders and the fantastics Uh, interesting i've heard of this match i've never seen it i've heard of it apparently folks it's really good. If this is, this is the, the one I'm thinking of. Is this of. the big match that like basically made the Sheep Herders famous? Like, that, I don't know. Because I've always heard they were brought to WWF because they, they were doing really good down in Mid-South. And like, then NWA also. Yeah. They went over yeah, to Yeah, people Crockett. were very excited about them and then they just made them like idiots. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Luke misses a whatever from the top rope and gets drop kicked out of the ring by Smothers. JR keeps calling Luke crazy this whole match. But only Luke. The crazy Luke <laughs> yeah. Williams. Yeah, Williams. Butch, Do they have names? Yeah, like Butch a, Miller and Luke Williams. I never knew that. Only here, not yeah. WWF. Captain Butch. Although, Quinn, the yeah. Aftermags would continue to... Fuck. Don't call them the Aftermags. The magazines that uh, Bill Apter wrote for would yeah. continue to use their last names throughout like their WWF run. Okay. The heels are getting control again. By the way, the sheep partners are wrestling like so much better than we would ever see them I in know. WWF. I, I really think the WWF just told them to like be stupid or Kid something. Friendly, yeah. like hey, yay! Yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's what they did. They did what they were asked for like eight years. Yeah, <laughs> they've ruined their reputations. But <laughs> I guess it was worth it for the money. I mean, they could sell home videos and, and stuff. Didn't and have to work as hard. They could do things with Lord Alfred, Mean Gene. Yeah. That kind of shit. Yep. So uh, you stay on TV. <laughs> so JR keeps saying that, you know, bring your family out to see the UWF. They'll love it. Yeah. Because nothing says family bonding more than a barbed wire cage match. That's what I always look to take my family to see. I love they, doing they, that with my mom. You know, none of them like wrestling, but you know what 
they always say to me, I, if only there was a barbed wire cage match. Yeah, because, you know, nothing brings a family closer together than fat, sweaty guys falling on top of sharp, pointy steel. And bleeding. And bleeding. Hot tag to Brett Wayne Sawyer. By the way, can I comment on this guy's name? Brett Wayne. They got enough names there? Jeez. <laughs> like, it's almost like they just wanted him to be a Sawyer. Yeah, right, like they right. They were just like, we got to slap that we Sawyer. Sawyer. Because he's got two first names. Like, what the? <laughs> I just, I hate that name so I much. Like, I don't like it either. Backdrop, dropkick, all the white meat baby face stuff, you know. Yeah. Smothers back in with a backdrop of his own and a dropkick. Do these two have any other moves? <laughs> it's like all they do are dropkicks and back yeah. body drops. Anyway, Luke gets the knees up on a splash attempt, tags out to Butch. Battering Ram, which JR says he's never seen. Is this the debut? Yeah. The historic debut of the Battering Ram? I guess. It might be. Yeah. Double stomach breaker by the Bushwhackers here. Sawyer tries to get a USA chant going outside, but no one cares because yeah. it's New Zealanders they're facing. Yeah, it's weird. And I must mention, there was a weird moment in this match where they make like a hot tag to like Brett Wayne or what Wayne Sawyer or Wayne, yes, whatever comes his name in, right. is. He comes in, right? And he like does like two like dinky little punches, but it gives the advantage. But then he like immediately tags back out to Smothers. Yes. And like basically Smothers comes in and he's all tired. Yeah. And then he just walks into this battering <laughs> ram. Like I was like, this is the worst tag wrestling I've ever seen. Like, Even how, JR- did, how did they fuck that up? Like Even JR's like, I guess he got enough rest outside. I don't yeah. know. Like, well, he tried to hype because yeah. Smothers came back in sort of good, but then he he, he did like a move. immediately got dominated <laughs> yeah. for the rest of the match. Another double stomach breaker on Smothers gets the win. JR promises that we'll be back with Kamala. Oh, good. At least no more Brett Wayne. That's the true. The worst tag wrestler Horrible. ever. UWF 22 break number four. Four. To the ring now for David Peterson, I'm assuming is a jobber. His opponent is Kamala with his WWF music. Yeah, okay, so that ah, blew me away. Ah, 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 ah. But no Kim Chi. No Kim Chi. Instead, coined it's Skandor Akbar. Yeah, not not General Adnan, if no. you're confused. Because sometimes like you hear Skandor Akbar, you're like, maybe that's... D- Different guy. It's the other... It's the guy they always talk to on the like AWA DVDs or whatever. Yes, is he Devastation Inc.? I don't know what he is. He's the guy that... He stinks. Wasn't he the guy that was, like, friends with the guy that died or something? Uh, I don't, what? So there was a lot of people that died. It's the WCCW <laughs> DVD. He, which, like, talks... Which like, guy from WCCW? There's a million of them. Gino Hernandez. Yeah, it might be One Gino, of the Von Erics. One of the... It, he... I know he talks, like, about some... Uh, multiple people dying, actually. <laughs> well... It, they always ask him because he's, like, the elder guy that didn't die. Yeah, he also wasn't good. Yeah. Uh, JR says that Skandor Akbar calls Kamala the eighth wonder of the world. Like, oh, really? On. Like, we're ripping off Andre. You're not, Shouldn't you not do that? First of all, Kamala's just not Andre at <laughs> no. all. He's Kamala. He's Kamala. Yeah. Uh, Kamala looks the same as always, you know, fat. <laughs> While he's being introduced, Jim Duggan wanders out. This is great. Yep. I love all of this. Apparently, Duggan's been feuding with Akbar's crew, yeah. so he just takes Peterson's place, and yeah. he beats the shit out of Kamala to start. It's good! <laughs> like, and he just, like, hoses his way it's in. It's so good! He's just like, screw you, Kamala! <laughs> yep. Like, I don't like you, so I'm wrestling now. Uh, what? Right? I feel like Duggan is this weird wrestler that, Just like, like the Bushwhackers, no, Quinn. Nobody realizes how good he was. I like, think people that time. watch Mid-South do. They yeah, do. Even in WWF, he's good. I like him there. I like him everywhere, honestly. <laughs> like, I never didn't like him, like, looking back. As a kid, like, growing up, I completely ignored him. 
But like, so did I. Even when I see him like later in his career, no, not swimming trunks version, right? From like oh <laughs> five, not that. I Come will on. say this: not going to the hot tub version even of him. Swimming trunks version has the same like gusto. I must admit, when he comes out, might have gusto. He has a gut too. Yeah, he has gut o too. But <clears throat> he's really not bad, like for what he is. In oh five, let's let's lay he's off a little. Fun! Right. Like. But this is good. I mean, this is prime Duggan here. Oh, big, yeah, this is like best Duggan. Big pop for him. Big left hands as JR is freaking out. But Kamala does fight back with a dog lifting his leg to piss type of kick. It doesn't uh, matter. <laughs> it's, you know what the, the thing is? It's all back and forth, and that's what I like It about is. It, yeah. Big chops by Kamala. More chops. He throws Duggan outside. They brawl into the guardrail. Duggan fights back with big elbows. Picks up the timekeeper yeah, table. it's good. Ramps Kamala into it. Big right hands by Duggan. This Kamala like rakes le- the eyes. This feels like a legit fight. It's right? so good. How is there no count out? Even JR is one reason. That's the referee it's doesn't like, mind. We're just re- we're wrestling here. We're fighting here. Yeah. Kamala tosses Duggan back in. Kamala jumps in the air, but Duggan floors him with a spear. Good. This was weird <laughs> only because, like, why did Kamala even jump? Yeah, he literally was... just jumped in the air for no reason. <laughs> that was, like, the only thing in this match where I was confused. And they even, like, showed a replay yeah. of it. Like, I don't, like, get what this was. <laughs> he did, like, a Blanca taunt to him yeah, from Street like, and, and then, then Duggan like, just speared him. Yeah, he just like okay you're gonna do that why couldn't either of these two be this good in wf well to be fair i felt like duggan was carrying this a lot well i mean it is kamala yeah but it's probably the most i've ever liked anything i've seen with kamala oh that's i'm not kidding yeah well because he moved around and did things (laughs) and he was like actually fighting on the outside and stuff and not like just lumbering Like, so, I know, exactly. Good. He hits an Irish whip into a big boot. Then he hits a splash that doesn't look like shit for once. But Duggan kicks out after a very close this two. This was amazing because even Chow's like, nobody's ever kicked out. <laughs> so good. Slugfest on the ropes. Kamala chops the ref. Akbar comes in to help. But as he's holding Duggan from behind, Hacksaw ducks. Kamala nails Akbar. Duggan clears the ring, riles up the crowd. This was good. It was very good. I And, and UWF 22 break five. Five. Back to the ring. For a special challenge match, we're told. It is Jack Victory with Lady Maxine versus Dark Journey and some mystery wrestler. This is a weird segment. Very weird. So Journey enters the ring alone. She asks for the mic. And she says she didn't bring anyone with her. She don't need no man to fight her battles. Okay. So she tries to attack Maxine and they basically beat the shit out of her. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. What I didn't <laughs> like is, is Victory putting his hands on a... Dark lady. journey, yeah. Like, not that he like punched or anything. He just kind of like threw he held her. her. He like threw her down initially so that Maxine could get the upper hand, and then he held her. And it was just kind of yeah. like it wasn't like super physical, but it was kind of like a little crossing the line. A little, but bit. like why? What the fuck was this? I don't know. Like, what did this advance? I don't get it. Well, we'd have to tune in next week to yeah. find out. It is episodic. Also, Jr. called Maxine an Amazon a bunch of times, I noticed, so well, I she, guess China wasn't the first person that he used that on. He was the only one who called China an Amazon. Also, <laughs> do you think he just was like, that was just his like, catch-all term? Yeah. Amazon. Yeah. You should see in high school. Yeah. Anyway, Jr. throws to another break, uh, but our main event will be coming up, Quinn. It's Terry Taylor versus Michael Hayes, but first, UWF 22 break six. Six. To the ring as Michael Hayes is announced to Freebird by Leonard Skinner. I, hey, I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. it, it, we never get to hear the Michael Hayes music that it's he true. like always hypes. I was the first person with music yep. and all that. <laughs> Which isn't true. Uh, it's noted by JR that yeah. that's the original Freebird music. Yeah. And then JR says, our vantage point. And the music, Leonard Skinner's Freebird, their original music. I think that has some special significance here as we see Michael Hayes go by our vantage point. 
Hayes has a gold robe on. DiBiase now has joined commentary. He mentions the issues that he's been having with Hayes lately. Hayes has been calling him out, calling him out. Hayes disrobes uh, what JR calls very uniquely. What- it's, it's basically the Shawn Michaels, <laughs> like, I think I'm cute. <laughs> that disrobing, sexy, yeah. That whole crap. Moonwalk by Doc. His pants are offensive. <laughs> They're just like these teal blue. They are like annoying. Terry Taylor makes his entrance with his windbreaker and blue tights. He's very high. Yeah. Like, that's like what he looks like when he cuts. Hi. Yeah. Like, it's just like, who is this idiot? Like, I know. <laughs> why does Terry Taylor always look like an idiot? Like, he just looks like a moron. He might be one. I don't know. I, I don't. I just. How did he mess up his whole career? because he's not that good but he always has like this promise right you like think when he comes in you're like oh he's athletic and good and that but he's always like i'm a little guy like i'm me hi he's not very good honestly i really don't think terry taylor's that good yeah Uh, anyway this match is one fall with tv time remaining there's only like three minutes left in the show yeah that's true (laughs) hayes keeps gesturing over to the commentary table so he just gets on the mic and calls out dibiase he says he's not going to wrestle if DiBiase is going to commentate his match. So DiBiase says, fuck it, comes from the table, takes off his red shiny coat, heads to the ring. Hayes starts getting all nervous as JR references how the Freebirds, I like this, put DiBiase in the hospital a few years ago. JR with the context, I like that. Years ago? Yeah. Where or what? I don't know what territory. Uh, yeah. Maybe DiBiase, did he venture down to world class or something? Uh, yeah, I guess. And the Freebirds were everywhere too, Quinn. That's true. They could have been in Mid-South. Could have been someplace that we don't even know. Might Correct. Be like Florida or something. Yeah, yeah. it literally could have been. Yeah. DiBiase has a conference with Terry Taylor on the mic and asks if he can replace him. Terry says yes. Hey, good. Right. We don't yeah. want to see Terry Taylor. <laughs> Hayes, of course, is pissed. Grapple to start and we head straight into a slugfest as both guys are rolling around on the mat. And there's some wailing, but it's not Wine City, so it's different. True. Not yeah. Wine City type they wailing. They actually say it, too. There's, uh, he's wailing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> DiBiase gets the advantage and Hayes bails as we're running out of TV time. Also, JR compares Dr. Death to Charles Manson. Um. Uh, yeah, what the fuck? What? And that's it. Credits roll as JR exhorts everyone to come out and see this live. The fight's still happening, yeah, by the way. Like, the roll. whole time, and JR's like, ah, I gotta see UWF. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Produced by Mid-South Productions, director Joel Watts, who I have heard, Quinn, from Bruce Pritchard and others, fantastic director. Good. Just throwing that out there. Is related to Joel Gertner and anyone? No, no, he's related to Bill Watts. Okay. Matchmaker? Matchmaker. Yeah. Grizzly Smith. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's an asshole, too. Like, <laughs> like by all accounts, like, yeah. all of his children. Yeah. Like, all Rock of them, and Robin. Yeah, all uh, of them have said What's he, the he other sucked. one? Sam like, Houston. Like, Jake. You know what's always weird about Grizzly Smith to me? He looks like Jim Neidhart. He just looks like a respectable old man when he, like, whenever he's on camera. Like a grizzled old veteran, if you right. will. Right. He doesn't look like an asshole, but, like, <laughs> by all, by every single person said he was a dick. Good, good in the wrestling business, but as a I person, suppose, yeah. yeah. Anyway, DiBiase continues to kick some ass as we fade away. Quinn, I'm going to say that was not bad at all. It's okay, right? I can't say it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. No, there was some potential there. I guess. I mean, that's what Watts was known for was making each episode episodic. You know, when you want to see what happens next week, and I'll say this: very fast paced, mm-hmm. very well produced. Things intersected. Things were happening. Spontaneous changes to the plans as the show went yeah, on. Yeah, there was there was ahead of its there time. There was two instances where a wrestler was replaced by another wrestler. Yep, and which that was, was interesting. WWF wasn't doing that type yeah. of stuff at the time. Now, on, w- on regular television? No. no. WWF was good in 86. Crockett was good in 86. But this was really good too. Too bad I they... Would, yeah, I would say this, that the production values were almost a notch above WWF in a weird way because in 86 
Cindy's. It's a little rough around the yeah. edges still. I agree with you. Yeah. Their syndicated wasn't that good yet. It was getting there. Right. And it would get better and better in the late 80s. But this was a, a nice time capsule of a good period, kind of unfortunately the beginning of the end for Mid-South. Right. 86, 87. But well, this is whenever the big players started noticing and we're like, we got to go. Like, and Vince started noticing. Wrestlers yeah, yeah, I mean, they got DiBiase and Duggan, the two most notable names from here that Vince would eventually get in 87. Gang was another one that was down here around the same time that he got. I think Coco was Coco down here in Mid-South. I, I believe so. Yeah. I, there, there, there was a lot of guys down here. Let's put it that way. A lot of good talent. Bill Watts certainly knew what he was doing, producing a an engaging weekly television it's show. the last time Bill Watts knew what he was doing, but that's <laughs> a completely different story for a completely different time. That's right. And uh, folks, thank you for knowing what you're doing and listening to us again this week. It's been a fun time talking with you guys about the world of retro wrestling. Be sure, of course, to join our Facebook group. If you haven't yet, just go to Facebook.com and search for the Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast group. You can also follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. And if you want to support what we do here, you can go to Patreon.com slash OVP podcast to get some cool rewards there some extra content but until next time for episode number 114 i am joe Murata. that is michael quinn and we will see you next week see ya We've just seen the replay, ladies and gentlemen, of what happened last week here on the Universal Wrestling Federation, the incident that Cowboy Bill Watts got involved in. And now we're at the Watts home in Bixby, Oklahoma, the gym specifically. Bill, the phone has been ringing off the hook. People have been asking from all over the country, what's going on? You lost your temper last week, no doubt about it. Where do we go from here? Well, let me tell you, I've always had a temper problem. Anybody who knows me knows I've got a temper problem. And I'm telling you, when you're talking about America and Russia, get hot real quick. I remember when Doc, when I was scouting him, and I went down to OU, and the last match, the Russian heavyweight, and Doc was geared up, and the OU crowd was screaming, and the Russian heavyweight forfeited because he looked over in Doc's eyes and saw that he couldn't handle what was going to be a cut from him. You see, Russians are that way. They don't ever start anything unless they got the odds in their favor. Big, tough Russia jumping Afghanistan with their mule carts and their ancient artillery and stuff like that. They're really big, tough guys. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll, and do, we'll it do it live! live.